You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on AHP Digital. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we've got uh, Mario. He's here with us again as usual. Mario, how are you going? Mars, I should say. He hates when I call him Mario. Oh, g'day, Jason. How are you going? And welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Podcast on the Australian Hunting Podcast. And uh, what, Jason? Yes. Finally, all the counting's finished for the election. Yep. We've done, hey, you've got to introduce here. We have a third guest here as well, Justin Luke. You, you might have seen Justin uh, posting on Facebook as Justin Luke author. Um, he's decided to join us today to give us a, a third perspective, which hopefully will might be a little bit different to the way myself and Mario sometimes, a bit of a, a voice of reason. Justin, welcome, mate. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So, Mars, what we're going to do first, I think we should get into uh, some of the uh, iTunes comments, which I think are important. Yep. And now this was, this is an interesting one. I don't know why someone would write this, but Philly Vanilli, 1984, Philly Vanilli. It was like a, I don't know, was there a Millie Vanilli at one stage, a singer? Yeah. Uh, as Fabio once said, this is so good, I can't believe it's not butter. Five stars. <laughs> that was July 2nd, 2016. All right, then we have again, July 1st, 2016, five stars, The Robinator. Fantastic podcast. Jason and Muzz uh, talk to all sorts of politicians. Presidents of clubs right down to everyday hunters. I would really like to see a species section where they concentrate a few podcasts from different people on that one subject, i.e. deer. Uh, what to do uh, from some brand new, someone brand new wanting to get uh, into the right through to the advanced hunter and also talk about equipment that is needed uh, like Swarovski binos, boots, clothes for freezing cold and so on. I personally have listened to episode 26 with Steve Garlic. That was the one from the uh, Australian Deer Association about 10 times. You guys are doing a great show. Keep up the great work. And Jason, keep off your phone if you want to get deer. <laughs> now, if people don't remember this one. This is when I was, uh, uh, yeah. Good on you, mate. Thanks for the email. All right, Robin, that's it. We're going to cut you off the podcast, mate. We're definitely going to have to... Um, oh, good one, mate. What's your IP so we can cut you off? Just kidding. Um, all right, guys. We're gonna, well, first of all, we're going to go through some listener emails, I think, too, which is going to be important. We'll go through some listener emails, and then we'll go from there. All right, guys. We're going to go through some of the listener emails we got from a few people. Uh, this one, who's this from? This is from uh, Anthony. Anthony says, G'day, Jason. I'm an expat Aussie living in North Carolina. I really enjoy your podcast. And you do an excellent job at representing the firearms community in Australia and provide the desperately needed balance to the hoplophobia generated in the Australian media. Now, thanks for the work you did for the political parties for the July 2016 election. This has really helped my um, helped me place my vote carefully as a firearm enthusiast, and I hope that the representation we now have at the federal level sends the message to the government that there should be no further erosion of law-abiding gun owners' rights and that draconian gun laws in Australia should be relaxed with efforts focused on criminal activities. I really enjoyed your discussion with Firearms Owners United President James Buckle, an extremely articulate bloke who spoke very factually and rationally about the issues. On the topic you touched on was self-defence uh, in the home. I realise many people, including pro-gun listeners of the podcast, are concerned about loaded firearms in the house with kids. I can tell you I have several firearms. I keep them locked up except for the one that I use for both my everyday concealed carry and for my home defence. I have kids constantly coming and going from my house. 
Uh, but with careful planning and a standard protocol, home defense with firearms need not be a danger any greater than kitchen, knives or scissors. Uh, if for some reason I have to leave the house and can't take my gun with me, I would double lock the gun in a lock box attached to a steel cable. The magazines and bullets are stored in a separate lock box in a physically separate location. This reduces the firearm to less danger than a kitchen knife. Finally, I'd like to talk about gun safety with my kids on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. I you know, basically talk to them on a daily basis about uh, safety, which is great. They understand the dangers and the importance of having firearms. For the majority of kids, this seems to work well. I... Know for that some, I might not be a greater of precautions needed to be considered. Sorry, I know that for some, it might not be of greater precautions need to be considered. Okay, I hope that policies change in Australia and self-defence becomes a genuine reason to own a firearm. For this to happen, and then it's got firearms owners and enthusiasts, need to educate our friends, family, and talk to our politicians. Thanks again for all your effort and time. I listen to every episode. Thank you, Anthony. So, Anthony, wow, what a great email. Uh, Jason, that's just fantastic. Um, we love hearing from you, Anthony. Please uh, email us uh, more often. Uh, love to hear your point of view, and uh, you've explained some things really, really well there. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of expats out there who embrace the Second Amendment. They, they, like you said, they don't see firearms any more dangerous than the kitchen knife. And I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Um, it's going to be very hard, though, because um, it's, a, it's a massive... Uh, uphill battle uh, convincing the general public, uh, let alone convincing some of the people amongst us. What do you reckon, Justin? I agree. I believe that David Lionhelm has already started that process. Uh, The interview you might have seen with him on Sky News, where the interviewer asked him about White Nation and this uh, immigration and the inquiry into Islam, and his response was brilliant. He said that he didn't think that was the right uh, solution to stop extremism, and he said that we needed better solutions. And he left it at that, which was brilliant, because we all know the only better solution to rising violence is a well-trained, well-armed citizenry. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, mate. I agree. And, uh, you know, it's just fantastic to uh, have emails from people from the United States who listen to our show. I just think it's amazing, Jason. People are interested in in what goes on in other countries and uh, they download the podcast and we're reaching a very large audience around the world and uh, we quite often get that. And I think that's great. Anthony, mate, good on you, mate. Please continue to listen to the show and send us a few more emails. Yep, we've got another one from Chris Wallace. Hi, Jason. You have somehow, somehow inspired me to become more vocal for shooters' rights. I thank you for that. See below a letter I have posted out to my seven state politicians and the commissioner for WA Police in regards to the Warwick WFA1 firearm and other military appearing firearms. I find your podcast very informative and I enjoy listening to them on a regular basis. Keep up the good work. So that was from uh, Chris Wallace. Good on you, Chris. Thank you very much uh, for your wonderful email. Uh, Justin, you got anything to add to that? I just wanted to say that the Tasmanians had a fantastic win very recently pushing back that uh, insane, insane proposal by the Tasmanian police. That was for the appearance laws? The, it included appearance laws. Mm. And so we, it has gone back to the drawing board and we and everybody else should use that as a template to send to their respective authorities to do the same thing. Send it all back to the drawing board and most importantly, consult with somebody who knows one end of a firearm from the other, which they have not to date see our friends in Queensland for an example of that and we can use that win as leverage to get consultation in the future absolutely all right we've got another one from Jim thanks Jim this is a great one from Jim the subject was gun control first thanks for your podcast I'm glad there are folks like you in Australia 
Some people may disagree with that, Mario. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that you are where we are all headed in the future as far as weapons control goes. I'm blessed to have weapons within reach of my bed. And there is is a make-me-day law, which means no retreat for me and other residents of this state. My question is this. At this point in time, what would you suggest so we don't go down the same road as your country concerning gun grabs and laws? There is continual pressure in that direction, and one of our presidential candidates makes it clear that gun control is a major issue to her. Thanks, Jim. So I presume Jim is probably in the States, I'm guessing. And lucky you, Jim. I mean, sometimes I feel like I was a guy that was born in the wrong country. I do love this country as much as the next guy, but, you know, you do have the freedoms, but the more you see, the more upset you get. So, um, Jim, I guess what the questions were coming back to, what can they do in the future, guys? I mean, you two, first off, which wants to take, take the floor, um, what can we do? What can they do so they don't end up like us? Jim, there's only one thing you can do, and that is get politically active. Whatever is in your scope that you can achieve, write, visit your members, get in, get in the fight, because nobody's going to do it for you, and the vested interests that we're fighting against all have the same goal, and the only solution is... Don't be distracted by the bread and circuses. It's your duty and your right as a citizen to be in the political game. Get in there and fight, and we will support you. Absolutely, Jim. Um, and, of course, vote Trump. I mean, uh, do as much as you can to get everyone in the United States to vote Trump. Hillary Clinton is the major danger to, um, to gun rights in the United States. Uh, if you're not a member of the NRA, Jim, already, uh, please join uh, join as much as uh, as many organisations as you can who um, I guess uh, fight for your rights politically, who defend the Second Amendment. We love the Second Amendment here in, in the Australian Hunting Podcast, and we thank you very much for your email, mate. And uh, I can I can tell you, I will be will be crossing our fingers for you guys. To, uh, hopefully, you will get a Trump presidency. Yeah, and if they don't, I was thinking that before. It's interesting that some people that are Republicans actually don't want to, you know, they're not going to be voting for Trump. Some of them are quite worried about voting for Trump. And I was like, well, you've really got no choice. If you don't, you're just making a statement that's really not going to help you in the long term if it ends up getting Hillary elected. So my point is you've got, you've got to vote for – they've chosen the candidate. You have to vote for the candidate if you, if you will support gun rights. I mean, if you have other things in mind, you know, that may sway your, you know, thinking. Yep. But if you're not going to vote for Hillary – what are you going to do? You might as well vote for well, Trump, obviously, because you know there's really no one else to vote for if you're a supporter of gun rights. So that, that's my thing on that. Well, what do you reckon? Well, Jason, um, I've been following the American um, ele- uh, presidential elections and uh, all the speeches. I've been listening to Hillary. I've been listening to uh, Donald Trump. I've been listening to all their speeches. And essentially, jo- Donald Trump has got two major oppositions against him. He has got uh, the uh, the staunch Republicans who uh, basically are worried that they won't have a job when he gets in. Um, the, never Trump, the, the so-called hashtag never Trump crowd, okay? He's got that major opposition. Um, essentially, uh, the establishment, because you've got to understand, the establishment fought very hard to make sure that Trump doesn't get up. Uh, but unfortunately, the people have decided, and the people want, want Trump. They want him, and there's nothing they could do to stop him. Um, Trump beat, you've got to understand, Trump beat, what, eight other Republican candidates, all really good candidates. He was the biggest nominee for vote numbers in history, in, he got in more, history. He got more votes as a Republican, uh, as a nominee, than any other candidate in, in history. So you can't ignore that. But, however, there is the establishment, Republicans, many of them are speaking out against Trump, and they know they're going to be in hot water if he ever becomes president, and that is why they're speaking out. So that's one, one part of it. Um, 
and the other part of it too, of course, is uh, um, the liberals. I mean, and and the Black Lives Matter crowd and all these uh, anti-American. Uh, that's the only way I can call. It. It's the only thing I can call them anti-American migrants mm. uh, that are that are worried that uh, Trump's policies are going to. Uh, I guess. Uh, uh, Have you looked at Facebook though and see the amount of anti-Trump from the Australian, uh, from uh, City Morning Herald? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. there's about 10, 10 Trump articles to and every the, yeah, exactly. one the, Hillary. The the media is is an, on an absolute rampage against Trump, and not just in the United States, and, and it's all over the world really. Every little indiscretion, every little slip up of the word or anything like that that Trump. Uh, in Trump's speeches, they just fly upon and they just turn that little um, uh, little molehill into a mountain uh, as much as they can. So that's that's the some of the things that Trump is facing. And uh, Jim, you guys, it's up to you guys, the the good, hardworking people of the United States, to uh, vote Trump, to vote for your rights, and uh, make America great again. Yes, fantastic. All right, we got. Um, looks like his name is Yiani Y A. Sorry, Y I A double N. I. Hi, Jason. I'm a new listener and have been listening to all the old episodes nonstop during my day as I drive my truck. You and Mars have got me all motivated to get active and do something about protecting and fighting for our rights as gun owners and hunters. The problem is I really don't know who to contact. Also, I think one reason, one reason more people don't contact politicians is because, like me, they are fearful that if I do, I'll be put on some kind of gun nut list and possibly do more <laughs> harm than good. Uh, please let us know exactly who to contact and how to go about it. Yes, I'm Elam and Fud Hunter. Elam the Fud Hunter. Who's Elam? Elam. Elam the Fud Hunter. Elam the Fud Hunter. Is that who he is? I don't know, but I believe most... What's his name? Ilani. Iani. Iani. Okay, Iani. Yes, mate. Hang on, hang on. We haven't finished oh, the yeah, email. Finished. Okay, no worries. But I believe that most <laughs> gun owners are, and we're also the ones that need to have explained to us why and how to get active. If I hadn't listened to your podcast, I wouldn't have even considered it. Thanks. Keep up the good work. I especially like the episodes you talk to an expert in hunting and specific animals, i.e. pigs, foxes, goats, etc. Thanks. Okay, Ilani, how do you get active? Very, very simple, mate. Um, if you haven't got a gun license and you haven't got some firearms already, go and, get, go and get a gun license. Go buy some guns. Go and join your local gun club or hunting club. Become a member of a political party, whether it be um, Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party or the Liberal Democrats or Catters. Uh, become active at the grassroots level within that party. Go to and speak to your local member, uh, your local federal and state MPs. Talk to them. Talk to them about the issues that you're concerned about. Talk to them in a nice, level-headed kind of way, so you don't, I guess, come off sounding like a gun nut. Tell them that you're concerned about the eroding freedoms of our country. Tell them that you're concerned about, I guess, the the creeping, I guess, authoritarianism. That's uh, coming into virtually every branch of government. Uh, those are the sort of things you can do to become active. Uh, anyone who's interested in firearms or, or you know or talks about hunting and is interested in that, help them uh, get help them get a firearms license, give them education, take them hunting. Those sort of things. They're all, they're just a, a, you know, a list of basic list of things that you can do to get involved and to become active. What do you reckon, Justin? I'm in the middle of preparing exactly what Yanni could use, and that is a grassroots activists guide for getting our uh, our point across. And so that will help people find who their local, state, and federal MPs are. Uh, you can contact me on Facebook. I'm happy to do the legwork and, and find that on the internet for you. Um, what how to prepare. 
how to make contact, what to say, things not to say, how to answer objections. Um, but as Muzz has said, the first steps first, get your licence, get involved and uh, keep a positive attitude. All right, yeah, I was going to say, Yanni, too, that um, yeah, obviously we spoke about write to your police commissioners, write to your members of parliament. Uh, go down and visit your local MPs. I think that's really important. Get to know your local MP, get to know... I mean, if they're obviously anti-gun, you're probably not going to get that far with them, but you just keep into them. Don't give up. Uh, a lot of people, when they write letters, don't they, Muzz? They basically give up after the first letter. They yeah, get a generic yeah. response. I love the oh, generic response. I'll, I'll get I just them. back. <laughs> the generic response is the best because I just write back again and say, well, no, you didn't answer my question. Here's my initial correspondence. Please answer it. But, Ioni, the, the face-to-face meeting is the most powerful thing, I think, and if you can get a couple of people who share your interest to go down and see your local member within your area, I mean, that that's a lot more powerful than a letter because once the politician can see that, okay, you feel so strongly about this issue that you've actually gotten off your bum and actually taken the time to organise a meeting with that person and, and to see them and to voice your concerns, I think that sends a much more powerful message. Yeah. Also, they, your local member is currently looking at the election results and literally crapping their pants. Can I say that on air? Yeah, 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 of great. course. No, we've, we've said, All I think of James these... Buckle said the F word on the last show. So we're, Fantastic. It's clean, you know, the, clean. The, the election results has got the established politicians in a panic. And so this is the prime time to strike, to be polite, to be firm, and to let them know that they are on notice. We are sick of being discriminated against, and we will act against them at the ballot box unless they support us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, next one. This is an interesting one, just to pre-qualify for the listeners and my uh, great co-host that I've got sitting here as well. And this one's from Sarah. Now, this was, you probably saw before the election, SFP, or Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party, put up a post on their Facebook page about, remember, self-defence, getting rid of category, uh, for registration yeah, for category. self is a genuine reason. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so the, you know, I'm not sure what she wrote. I, I did respond to her via email, but she didn't write back. But Sarah said, disappointed you didn't mention my Facebook post Maybe a little truth behind it, question mark. So I don't know what she wrote because she never got back to me. Thank God SFF did sweet bugger all in the election. Also, before sprouting words of wisdom about protecting yourself and, and your family, learn about the use of force, learn about escalation of force, and learn about what is classed as justifiable force. I am not in any way against the use of force, up to and including lethal force for the protection of my family. You two laugh at the comments, yet so many people were liking the post by virtue agreeing with them. The Shooters of Fishers and Farmers campaign was not in the interest of shooters, and judging by the below average result by the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers part of the election, many agree with this conclusion and deserted the SFF. Sorry, I, I, I totally disagree with you on that one. I'm going to go off first because um, I just think there were a, a minority a very minor, there were two yeah. and a half. What was it by the end? Must there were two and a half thousand, roughly around there, of people that liked that post. Well, well, Jason, if I can just, uh, what's it, is it Sarah? Is it? Yes, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, okay, so, so um, the, the original post received two and a half thousand likes. Uh, out of the two and a half thousand likes, there was heaps and heaps of comments, and there was out of the, all the comments, there was just a minority of a small amount of comments that were very negative regarding the... Um, which we read out on previous shows, yeah, which if you read want out, to go back and listen which to read out. So, so, I mean, and you, you're going to expect that. You're going to expect that. There's always these people, uh, essentially, I like to call them FUDs, um, who, who are going to be against us no matter what, who think that we should just support the status quo, and if the government wants to put more regulations on us, well, then, you know, we should just suck it up and just take it. And I'm sorry, I, I don't agree with that, and I, I can't stand for that, but... Um, uh, and that's what that's what it, you know. It's an it's an extreme minority 
So I'm sorry, Sarah, but I can't agree with what you're saying. I respect the fact that you know you're voicing your opinion, and I don't think that was a, a, a reason why SFP uh, SFF didn't do so well in the federal election. I think traditionally they haven't really done that well, Jason. At a federal level, they've, done a federal okay. level. they've increased yeah. their vote, but what does they, they have? They have overall they have increased their vote. So. I disagree with you that they haven't done really well, even though they may not have anyone uh, gotten anyone elected. But um, I think they've gone really well in terms of increasing their percentage of vote. And uh, to be honest, um, it, it's going to be an uphill slog in a, in a federal election to be able to get uh, that sort of party, uh, I guess a single or two-issue party, up at a federal level. So it's always going to be a, a big fight, a fight ahead. But I'm sorry, Sarah, I disagree with you. But the interesting part about that is when you're reading it, she actually says she supports... Uh, you know the use of up to including lethal force, and then says, "Well, the the constituents uh, deserted them." I mean, there's probably just as many, if not, uh, you know, the, especially this election. There's just as many, if not more. There was a slight increase in the amount of votes. Obviously, really, it wasn't deserting them. Yes, over the last three years, haven't we probably, Justin? We've probably seen about, you know, was it New South Wales? The last five years was an extra thirty five thousand licenses uh, in New South Wales alone. Uh, of course, that was their biggest area where they got the most votes. Obviously, you know, that's where the party you know, started with John Tingle. So, I mean, you know, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't get where you, you support self-defence, but then you're saying people didn't like it and they abandoned the SFF as if that was a good thing. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't think that the support for self-defence harmed the SF. I don't think that was the reason that they uh, didn't do as well as we hoped they would do. They certainly um, uh, polled okay. But my response would be, Sarah, I respect your opinion. You are entitled to it. And I, as a victim of crime, would like to say that I completely agree with your assessment of the use of force and escalation, but I would like the ability to defend myself with lethal force and defend myself and my family with lethal force if it came to it. And I'm responsible enough to take the training and do what's necessary in that situation. If somebody chooses not to do that, that's fine. A woman walking down a dark street, walking out from work, who chooses not to carry pepper spray, if she's legally allowed to, like someone in WA, if you choose not to carry pepper spray, that's fine, that is your right. But somebody who wants to should be able to possess something to protect their life if they choose to. That's my position. Absolutely, I agree. And I mean, you only got to go back as recently as that um, uh, lady that was killed in Parramatta. And uh, you know, and I'm sure that would have been a lot of people in Parramatta uh, after that uh, crime happened that would have been uh, scared stiff, I guess, Jason, to be able to walk walk through that park. And uh, and I'm sure they would have been <laughs> they would have liked to have the option at least to carry something for self defence. But you know, they they don't have the option in this state. So anyway, go ahead, Jason. I always say it's not about the, that particular issue. You know, what I mean, it's not about that particular issue that. You know, of concealed carry, of you know, self defence. Um, you know, it's all gun rights. I don't know why we've got to you know separate it down to one or two particular issues. I don't think it's that important. One thing I'd like to add: the if we were to change the law to say it is legal for people to carry pepper spray or a firearm or a M sixteen machine gun for self defence, whatever it is. Okay, what happens is the risk profile analysis in a criminal's mind changes. At the moment, a criminal knows that the majority of Australians are defenceless victims. And the uh, Andrew Motluki, you can look him up, he was in a fight at a train station and he chased a guy into the train. The kid ran away, as he should, under the law. Andrew Motluki chased him and drew back his fist to punch him again. And the kid who'd been robbed before pulled out a knife and stabbed him. And he died. 
that crime, yes, it was a tragedy, but that was escalated because Andrew knew there was only a minuscule chance that his victim would be armed and able to defend himself. So what happens is, if you, and we've seen the statistics in any American state that legalises concealed carry, violent crime and home invasions drop immediately because the criminals realise the risk has gone up and so they're not as willing to take a chance. And so everybody benefits, even if you're not carrying, because the criminal is more scared than they were before. But Justin, what really gets gets me about this issue okay well this is this is the one thing that really gets me and i'm and it irks me so much i've I've got to say it every time you talk about self-defense you've got the people on the other end who start hyperventilating and saying things like oh no you're gonna give guns to everyone i mean seriously that just irks me i mean obviously if we're going to have any kind of self-defense laws in the future and i hope we do it will be under strict regulation it will, you'll have to have, have training. You have to have a license. Um, you'll have to probably go for re- repeat training, just like police officers do. It's not going to be a free-for-all. So to all you people on Facebook that just want to write down, oh, no, you're going to give guns to every crazy bastard out there. I mean, can you just take a chill pill? Seriously. I mean, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, Jason? You read it all the time too. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I've got a good one here from Carmelo. Carmelo. I wonder what, I know a guy, Carmelo. I wonder what nationality that is. Not sure. Really enjoy listening to your show, Jason. Informative and action-provoking. Because of you guys, I learned about the R license at Huntington State Forest. Best thing I've ever done. Been out twice and have enjoyed not only the hunting, but most amazing scenery the state uh, has to offer. Uh, I've also introduced shooting to members of my family and two of my friends. Fantastic, Carmelo. All of which have gotten the gun license and considering our licenses uh, as well. Uh, not only have I written, talked about our sport to my local politicians, I've introduced more members to our shooting fraternity. So a big thank you to you and Mario for all your efforts and deep passion for our chosen sport, hobby, lifestyle. Mate, the only thing I'm upset about, Carmelo, is you actually mentioned Mario. Just next time you, <laughs> <laughs> next time you write in. Um, no, I'm just kidding, mate. I'm just kidding. That's very, very kind of you and very, very kind indeed. Thank you, Carmelo. You're a champion, mate. Good on you. Keep up the good work. All right. We've got the next one. This is from uh, Rhino. Well, his name is Wayne, actually, but it comes up as Rhino. I'm not sure Today, why. Wayne. Wayne. Great show. Jason, your call into 2GB radio station was perfect. Mario was jealous. Ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> Could you guys publish the cheat sheet of facts so, so, so a cheat sheet of facts used so we can all use them? Also, a good list of statistics from other countries for us to use in our debates and discussions will be very helpful. I know I'm asking a lot, but I will empower your listeners with the facts and help us become more active. You know, I've tried that for a while. Um, I've been wanting to get a cheat sheet going, which I said that normally I just write them down quickly because I know I'm off the top of my head. But yes, I will get something in the future just with, it might be a page that's going to be, you know, maybe four four boxes, two at the top, two at the bottom. And then, you know, they're talk, talking about America, you know to go there. If they start talking yeah. semi automatics and those types of things which we all know it's the same stuff if it's registration we might have five or six box it's really just you know, it's really just going to depend but um yeah mars see that mars uh mario was jealous just ignore him so you know what do you think about that what's what's your you know but, well yeah I, I, look, I, the cheat sheet's pretty good but um no i was more talking about the just ignore, oh, right, ignore no, him okay ignore, yeah. <laughs> well you do ignore me anyways 
<laughs> Sometimes I did. But Muzz, you did a good job on rank two, you were, and we're going to do another one today for the Greyhound Racing. You did call up. We'll do that a bit later. But um, I guess, Wayne, thanks for your uh, good on you, Wayne. kind comments. We appreciate your listenership. All right, next up, we've got Michael. Michael is a regular listener from WA. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'd probably um, you know, be here for a long time, but we'll read this, most of it. Hi, Jason and Mars. I'm getting frustrated when I uh, talk to radio hosts or hear radio or TV hosts and guests discussing firearms, uh, and they are always making the comments as to why do we need a gun or why do we need more than one gun, gun as they don't understand that small game needs small calibers and larger game need larger calibers. And all the other reasons, like distance needs flatter shooting calibers, and animals that hang around in large numbers need semi-autos, etc. Uh, quick follow-up shots and different styles of shooting uh, or hunting require different firearms, and some require pistols for protection and from dangerous animals like wild bulls and crocs, etc., uh, including pigs and buffalo. Uh, it also gives me the shits when we are losing the debates when they say, oh, even if it saves one life, isn't it worth it? Yep, we've spoken about that. Uh, we don't want to be like America, and if we get rid of the guns, it will stop gun crime. So what do you guys think about that? There was a bit extra, but sorry, Michael, we're just short for time on this uh, post-election podcast, so maybe Justin might be able to add some stuff in there. Michael, there's a saying that it's difficult to get somebody to understand something when their salary depends upon them not understanding it. The media, the commentators, they thrive on controversy, and they are not interested in facts. Yes, that's a reality that we have to deal with. We all feel exactly the same way you do. Our job here is primarily education. And that's what we're doing. We are slowly educating as many people as we can. Talk to your family. Take your, the female members in your family. Take them shooting. Take them to the range. They'll understand how fun it is, how safe it is, how challenging. And that will insulate them against the lies in the future. So start local. Start with your, your family and friends. And uh, over time, we will educate everybody. Yeah, just to finish off there, he says, when will the non-shooting and hunting public get over this fear of gun and the fear of criminals who use any weapon that kill not just for guns? And when will they stop asking victims of crimes what we should do about the perceived gun problem? I hate the fact that people that make our gun laws have very little knowledge or experience with guns at all. Uh, like the police always want less guns in the public's hands, so why would they disagree? So yeah, me exactly. Good point. Yeah, Michael. I'm, I mean, one of the things I can tell you is that the the, the very core of the anti's basis, uh, the basis of their argument, really, is the whole need issue. Or oh, why do you need this? You don't need that. Or oh, you don't need this gun. Oh, you know, this gun is all right, but you don't need that one. I mean, that, that's always at the very core of their argument, and and that is where you've got to try and tackle it at, at that uh, whole need issue. And and the way I look at it is that well. To say, for a politician or anyone to say, oh, you don't need this, that's extremely authoritarian because if you apply that argument to virtually everything in your life, well, you wouldn't need half the things in your life, really. You know, no one needs a big four-wheel drive truck. I mean, you can just get around quite easily in the gets. No one needs to buy a Ferrari. No one needs a yacht. No one needs a McMansion. You know, no one... You know, you can apply that argument to a lot of other things, and, and that's how you tackle that argument. So it shouldn't be about need. I mean, we live in a, a liberal democracy. You should be able to pursue your interest. We live in a free country. I shouldn't have to justify a need uh, for something. If I'm a responsible person and I'm, you know, and the authorities have deemed me responsible and I've passed all the checks and balances, I should be able to buy whatever I want. It's not, it shouldn't be about need. So the politicians have made it about need. Why? Because they're, 
they're using an authoritarian tactic to, I guess, uh, try and make you justify why, uh, why you want uh, to pursue a particular interest. And that's just completely wrong. And that's where you need to fight the argument from. You've got to fight it uh, from that very uh, foundation of uh, um, their argument. You've got to debunk it at the foundation. So there you go, mate. Hopefully you can use that and uh, maybe next time you're on the radio, uh, tackle them with that. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. All right, this one's a good one. This is John Ogilvie, one of our regular listeners. He goes, hi, guys. Really enjoyed the HuntFest coverage. I was wondering if either you have any preferred method of keeping animal hides, antlers and horns. In good condition for taxidermy, particularly when you are in a relatively remote area, any input would be great. Also, this is a bit more hypothetical. If you had the opportunity to hunt dangerous game, water, buffalo, cape, buffalo, etc., what would your choice of caliber be? Uh, he says, you know, 375 H&H, 416 Rigby Remington Magnum or another caliber altogether. I know my one would be... Um, I don't know, 4570 maybe. I don't know if they use that up there and that's cool. Or you, it's not, not enough, but that'd be at close range. I mean, I know I just interviewed Jason Spencer from Hunt Catch Cook. He used a 4570 on camels. So, I mean, if it's good enough for camels, I'm sure. I mean, what are they pumping out? Some of those things, 300 grains, I think, in regards yeah. to... Well, I've used the 375 Holland Horn. I've used one. So, um, fantastic. Love it. Um, and uh, I haven't used it on any big game. I haven't been fortunate enough to go big game hunting. What about you, Justin? No, I have, it's on my list. But um, I would like to go safari hunting in the future with a fifty caliber. Yeah, I think it's possible for us to get there, and I'm working towards it. Fantastic. Um, and how did you keep animal hides good? Obviously, same thing: ice, eskies. You know, if you've salt, got if you've salt, got, salt. Yeah, Heaps so if you've got a twelve yeah. gauge, sorry, twelve gauge fridge, I was going to say, if you got a twelve volt fridge. <laughs> see, I was <laughs> twelve these, gauge fridge. <laughs> these guys are laughing. I did go shoot. I did go shooting today. I was. Uh, Shooting some uh, sporting Justin's almost, Justin's almost, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coughing up, his guts coughing out. his guts up. <laughs> um, that was interesting. But John's got another question too, which he sent after the fact. Sorry if he the second time, but in light of the recent events, I was wondering if you could address what will it mean for British hunters and shooters now they have left the European Union? This is about the Brexit vote. Yep. Um, in a nutshell, hang great on. news. He goes, and what's the EU's attitude been like historically towards hunting and firearms? I know England's got, I mean, they've got okay, they haven't got pistols, obviously, but um, yeah, pistols, are, pistols are banned, but you can buy semi-auto shotguns. Um, you Pump can, shotguns. You can have airsoft. Um, you can you can buy fireworks. <laughs> it's amazing. The Poms actually got uh, you know a very liberal uh, gun laws. Oh, silencers. Yeah, so moderators uh, in the UK. So in some areas, I think it's mandatory. Um, so. 
Look, uh, they've got fairly decent uh, gun laws in um, in the UK in comparison to us, and I think this Brexit thing is only going to work in their favour, to be honest, because um, European Union, I think, uh, are looking at clamping down gun laws across the European Union. They're all, they're, you know, these are unelected authoritarians. Nothing good can come from unelected authoritarians who think they know. Uh, how you can live your life better than you do. So, um, uh, look, a great thing, Brexit. Yes, will it evolve to better gun laws? I certainly hope so. Justin? The Brexit is influenced strongly by immigration and the tragic uh, experiences that many people in Europe are having and the inevitable immediate knee-jerk reaction in Europe has been similar to what Australia had 20 years ago. And fortunately, the Europeans have rallied against that and struck down a number of proposals that would only penalise the law-abiding and do nothing to stop illegal firearms being used. So in in terms of the people waking up, uh, I think Australia has been a great example now. 20 years of gun control has not worked. It's been an abject failure, and we can push that fact. We can help educate people. And I agree. I think the the Brits are in a good position now. Their economy uh, can uh, is the doom and gloom. I don't think is going to eventuate because the British economy has been around for thousands of years, and it was in the European Union for twenty. Mm. So it's it's worked before. It can work again. But just to play a devil's devil's advocate here and, um, and pretend you're on a talk show. And I'm the talk show host, but and I will say to you, but Justin, it has worked. I mean, prior to 96, we had 13 massacres, and uh, after 96, we haven't had any massacres. The only reason you can say that is because they keep changing the definition of a massacre each time we have the Millowa State Forest shootings, uh, the Monash shooting, the... what mm. else did we have? There's yeah, but, been but, five but, or but, six. But we haven't had a, a massacre of, like, say, 35 people, like in Port Arthur. Since 96, we haven't had something like that happen, so my gun laws must be working. No, that's a false assumption, because New Zealand did not ban semi-autos. They've not had a massacre either. Anders Brevik in Norway, tragically a, a mentally ill person, blew up two bombs and shot 50-odd children at a summer camp about 10 years ago. Or 70 people, I think. Yeah. It was horrendous. And the punishment for him, the maximum they could give him was 20 years in prison. Hmm. And, uh, and I don't think they had a knee-jerk reaction. They to did not yeah. ban semi-automatic rifles, even though he used one, because they understand the facts. You punish the person who did the crime. You don't punish everybody else for something they weren't involved in. Well done. Very good. Now, this one's from Robert. This is a bit of a long one, but I thought, Muzz, uh, we might even get Robert on the show because this is a good one. It's a, it's a positive um, with a little bit of upset, so I'll, I'll say that. He goes, this is from Robert. Uh, this is about Pest as a game species. Now, I said before on a previous show, I didn't read the whole thing and made a few errors in some things in my submission. So I, as Muzz knows, I resubmitted my uh, – to the was it NRC, the National Resource Commission, about putting deer – as a pest species, he goes, AH Podcast, hey, you guys started listening to your show since 110, now playing catch-up. I was listening to Podcast 118, and you were talking about deer not being classed as a pest. I was actually angered by this. I regularly defend shooting and hunting with pest control as one of my arguments. To keep deer as a game is so selfish just for the purpose of hunting and free-range meat allocation. That's like saying carbs should stay in our waterways because they taste good regardless of the damage they do. As a hunter-shooter, I continually see YouTube videos of guys hunting in Australia with dogs and letting pigs go because they are too small. Not only is this illegal, it completely against the purpose of pest control and recreational shooting. 
This type of activity is taken further by some parties to the point of relocating pest animals so they can populate a different area. I'm not here trying to put dogging under the bus. There are plenty of responsible hunters out there, but it comes back to the point of deer being a pest. Your justification of them being game to hunt and eat is just the same justification of letting pigs go and relocating them. If you want to push change in the law, we need to unite and push responsible conservation as a reason. How can we argue for semi-autos for pest control if people are spreading them? How can we argue for more state hunting land if we let deer just walk by? You guys continue to promote sorry, you guys continue to promote not to pick and choose which firearms to defend. Defend all firearms. Uh, do don't pick and choose what introduced species are pests. So he's probably saying that from a different yeah. avenue. I'm a mad Adler fan and I'm very active on the Adler Facebook page. I've done heaps of research into shotguns. If you guys want to catch up, I'd love to have a conversation. I'm ready to push to have all shotguns as category A, semi-autos as category B. I've got the facts for the shotguns ready to go. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Love the show. Love hearing from the political parties. Cheers, Rob. Rob, yeah, thank you for your email. Um, fantastic. Um, okay, let, let me address that, Jason. I had now. I I think I prepared for this email before, and I had a lot of stuff written down, but I've just lost it. I don't know where it is. So, Rob, I'm going to try and uh, address your um, concerns as best I can from memory. Okay, the reason why I don't think deer should be uh, classified as a pest is pure, simple um, science, mate. It's uh, the fact that the deer do not breed prolifically like other pest animals do. Uh, rabbits, uh, you've got. Uh, I think that foxes, rip, you know, really. Rip, I had all I had all this stuff written down, Jason. So <laughs> I'm right. trying to think about, it, but I'm pink. I'm pretty sure rabbits reproduce at just just at the most phenomenal rate. Uh, pigs as well. Sows can um, have uh, three or four litter a year or something like that. Um, uh, then you've got foxes. Now deer, on the other hand, okay, they only produce reproduce once a year. And and one and, and one one di- one, one to two one, one to two, two is it? Yeah, okay. one I thought it was only one. No, nah, from what, what I read on the internet, the internet so, was lying to me. So one to two fawns um, once a year. Damn it! Right. So they're not prolific. Uh, um, uh, I guess uh, breeders. Breeders, exactly. Uh, and to be honest, when you look at a species like that, if you were to class them as the pest, then, and this is my opinion. Some people would laugh at this, and that's fine. You can laugh at it, but this is just my opinion. Uh, it's, it's quite feasible to actually come very close to wiping out the population if you were to use chemical methods and so on, as well as hunting and so on. Uh, it's quite feasible to wipe out the population or to get it to a point where it's not able to reproduce at a satisfactory rate. And the reason why I say Let me that, say one thing, though. Yeah. What about with rabbits? And this was, I think, said from... Uh uh, Diana Mellon from the Double S Double A that you know well we, how successful have we wiped out rabbits? But then yeah. it, I guess the comparison sometimes there with one breeds prolifically, yeah. one doesn't exactly. So that could be a, an issue later on. And we don't know. But we, we, I remember look, I'm looking at a phone here. The um, what is it? Galaxy Note Four. I mean, I remember 15 years ago. I think I had the Nokia 5110. I mean, text messages was this whole new thing, and everyone was using it, just going wild over it. Now we're Facebooking. Yeah. Now we've got these emails. Yeah. We can Google Map our hunting. Yeah. We never thought 20 years ago we were going to have these types of phones. So how do we know there's not going to be, you know, yeah. they come up with some chemical weapon, you know, the next 40 or 50 years and just completely wipes them out. It's, it's not saying it's not feasible. And then leaving it up to bureaucrats to, exactly. to make the decision. Exactly. And, and that, that part of it's very important too, Jason, like you men- mentioned. The technology is upgrading all the time. It's quite feasible in the future. They've, say, for example, deer were to be classified as a, as a pest species. I mean, you could have an operation of drones. They go out, they map the state forest, they 
video the entire state forest or or a national park or where it might be and where they see deer they will drop i mean all sorts of chemicals wherever it might be and it's quite feasible to wipe out an entire population especially deer because they don't breed so prolifically now um that's why i'm so against classifying them as a pest and i, I really don't believe they're in such proportions that we we can classify them as a pest. When you go and you go for a drive uh, to your property or to the state forest, what do you see on the side of the road? Do you see deer? No. You see roos. You see foxes. You see all. You see wombats. You see all the animals that have been hit by cars that are in virtually plague proportions. What about right? coming back when we come back from the state forest? How many roos? Going through Canberra. I mean, how many did we see in the space of about yep. three kilometres? Like 22, I think we can. Oh, easily. Easily there was about 20 to 25 in the space of three kilometres. Now, I can honestly say to you, uh, I have been hunting across new, all across New South Wales in the last 20 years. And I have seen a dead deer on the side of the road once. And I can tell you right now, once. And I can tell you, the reason why that is, is because they're not in huge numbers they, they really are not in huge huge numbers out there that we can say oh no we need to eradicate these deer and you've got to also remember the tasmanian tiger was completely eradicated via hunting okay no uh chemicals no nothing like that used back then purely hunting they eradicated a whole species so it can happen it's not impossible um, and I've been hunting for four years, and I still can't get a deer. And they're <laughs> exactly. telling me they're telling me they're in so thick in numbers. Apparently, I should be falling over the bloody bending over and finding one. Turn Ex- around, there's exactly, deer. exactly. So, look, I, I understand where you're coming from, and you're saying you know defend all guns, and you're saying yeah, okay, you should uh, have all these uh, uh, species at a, at a pest level. Uh, look, I, I don't but agree is, with. Is it. there a problem? with classifying and letting deer walk by. Do you think there's a problem with that as saying, well, that one's not big enough if you're out? Because technically, so they're a game animal now, so there are some restrictions in state forests. Uh, the G license, which you know, I understand they're wanting to get more people licenses, but I don't understand, and perhaps maybe Justin might disagree or agree with us here. Um, why, if I if I get invited to a property in New South Wales, why do I have to have a G license to hunt deer? Why are deer so special that I need to go out there and hunt them and have a G license when I can go on to? They say they talk about animal welfare. Well, what's the difference if I go into this property? It's a sheep farm, and I'm shooting foxes, rabbits, hares. What, what extra training? I don't need a G license, so I don't really understand why the animal the animal's slightly larger and attracts all these extra onerous restrictions. You know? Well, because it's a game species, and to be honest, I, I think we should work hard on keeping it as a game species. Yeah, would you- if, we, if we want to hunt them in the future, and if we want to uh, have this great, I guess, uh, sustainable method of uh, getting fantastic game Yeah, but there's no then- benefit... To have a G license on 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 uh, private land. If someone invites me to hunt New South Wales a deer, there is no difference. We spoke about this. There was no yeah, difference. I know, I understand There's that. no difference. Yeah. State forest. But I think maybe, the- maybe because you've got extra owners restrictions. Other people yeah. using the park uh, or the sorry the uh, state forest. Those types of things. Possibly. What do you actually? Nothing. Just got nothing to add on this one. <laughs> but I think right. you know what, Jason. The G license provides that I think a little bit of education and oversight, which which is um, mm. I guess uh, according to the. Um, to the game board, which is uh, what what they're satisfied with, and I think you know, look, um, to 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 summarise that, I, I really do believe that deer must be kept as a game species because I think that as as a pest species, I think that they can be eradicated to the point, or at least 
their population can be dramatically reduced uh, via methods that the government's got plans or whatever it is. But look, you can't do that to rabbits or you can't do it to pigs yeah, because, remember, because they're in such you know huge plague numbers that it's just it's very, it's very difficult to do it. But I remember when I was at um, the uh, SSA AGM, AGM, the New South, New South Wales AGM, and I was speaking to Andrew Moriarty, and I said, what's the reason to have a G licence to hunt on private land? And he said, oh, well, you know, it's uh, basically it was a very, very small conversation. He goes, oh, you know, it stops animal cruelty. And I said, well, how does having a G licence on private land stop animal cruelty? I don't no, think it does yeah. whatsoever. No. I can hunt foxes, rabbits, you know, pigs, every everything basically other than deer. So how does it become more of an animal welfare issue or you know animal cruelty issue because it's a deer, it's a bigger animal? I don't get it. But anyway, Robert, maybe we want to have you on the show again one day, mate. If you want, yeah, we do a show. We'll uh, go from there. I got one from Sean, Sean Camilleri. I see Sean post on the Facebook page a fair because hi guys, my name is Sean, thirty one. I've been hunting for about six years. I currently have seven firearms and just put in my permit to acquire another. Fantastic news. I've only just recently started listening to your podcast and loving it. You do a fantastic job. I'm going to favour Mars just a little since I'm also a Hilux owner. Yeah, that's it. Well done, mate. All right, Sean, that's it, mate. Uh, we're blocking your IP address. Jason's going to strike you off the list now, that's mate. That's it, Sean. He goes, since I'm a truck driver, I get a lot of time to listen and think about things. I've also thought firearms registration was a positive, but after listening to your thoughts on it, I have to agree. You and I think it should be abolished. I would like to hear about your thoughts on hunting stickers on cars. I'm a proud shooter and never make any apologies for it. I would love to put a couple of Tika, Howard, Winchester, AHP stickers on my Lux, but I feel that I'm only advertising the fact that I have firearms and there may or may not be firearms in my car and thus attracting unwanted attention. First off, you've got a Hilux, mate. Don't put an AHP sticker on there. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, mate. Just kidding. Um, my other thought was our firearms license has our address on it, so I'm not sure what state he's in because I know New South Wales doesn't. I think this is a bit of an issue as if it is lost or misplaced and someone unfavorable could find it. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on the above. Thanks for all the great work you do for all of us LAFO. So there you go. I think he's not in New South Wales because I know our licences yeah. uh, don't have uh, addresses on them. I couldn't agree more. The whole privacy thing, um, too many guns.org. Look, the, the threats against uh, firearms and, and theft, things like that, you, I don't believe that the risk is there. Uh, if someone's going to break into your house, they're going to do it anyway. Um, and I am never going to apologise for being a hunter. I don't think that it's something that we need to shirk from. We don't need to hide in the darkness with a trench coat and a hat on. Oh, I'm a shooter. I own firearms. It's a legitimate part of Australian society that's been a heritage for 220 years. And I, I, I say be proud. Look, I agree with you, uh, Justin. Um, I personally, uh, just for the record, don't have any um, uh, pictures or stickers or photos or anything like that on my truck. I choose not to have it, um, mainly, I guess, because of my occupation as well. Um, don't like to advertise the fact um, that I'm a hunter and I own firearms because, I don't know, people might treat you a little bit differently. I guess there is that little bit of element, I guess, uh, to it in terms of um, your occupation. I was worried about what the general public thinks. Oh, look, I'm not really, not the general public, but just people that you do business with, you know, things like that. Yeah, probably separate Um, work and and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Fair point. I I like to separate my work and my leisure, uh, to be honest. But look, I I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't... uh, rag on anyone or, or be hating on anyone who puts that puts up the you know the old leopold sticker on their car or the browning sticker or the spiker sticker or whatever it might be which is which i see everywhere i see everywhere which is great i i see them on trucks and heaps of four-wheel drives and i think it's fantastic to be honest um uh but look i, I mean there are two minds in that and I, I guess you know 
can it be something that uh, the thieves might look at and say, oh, wow, look, this guy might have guns, and then that might they be attracted to rob your house? Or could it be the opposite? Could it be, say, oh, shit, no, no, don't rob this guy, mate. He's got guns in the house, you know? I think that any th- firearms thefts that are happening are targeted, and that's because the registry has been leaked. I don't think anybody's firearms... I'd, I'd be interested to hear some uh, science about this, if there is any research, what proportion of firearms are stolen that are not targeted uh, you know, as part of a general break-in. Um, I, I don't think that the, the people who are stealing firearms, I think they have a specific agenda and they are well-financed and resourced and they're not going to do it by following someone home from a gun club or looking at someone who's got a Remington sticker on the back of his ute. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't generally... I generally don't tell people that, you know, where I live, I normally got a PO box number um, unless I really know someone or trust them. That's the only time I let them really come to my house. So, Justin, like you're in the circle now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't put my, I did have the AHP sticker on my little Zook before I got the other one. I would put my AHP sticker on there, but I've God. got no one really where to put it because Hunting I've got Hunting with a Suzuki. <laughs> 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 but my point was, like, I've got a big toolbox on the back, so it's all checker plate. There's no really where to put it. I could put it on a side window, but I'm more afraid that, I'm not so afraid of people stealing or knowing I've got firearms. This is damaging your car. You know, putting the boot in the side, putting a key down the side. Yeah, I've seen you know? a lot of photos uh, of because um, you get a few of people, you know, tr- trucks who have been vandalised because they've got a, like a sticker on now. I mean, exactly. That's just Normally, like, they just write on the sticker like, "Oh, you, you know, kill yeah. have your kids die" or something like that. But which is, I'm more worried about smashed windows, kicking it in, yeah. keying it, those types of things. But look, I mean, look, those sort of things are rare. And to be honest, my personal opinion on this: the more people that put stickers on their cars and become, I guess, loud and proud, I think the better. I think the better because we are a massive part of the community. We are, we're, we're you know we're huge in numbers in some parts of Australia. So I think you know if 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 you got no issues with it, and uh, I guess if your family's got no issues with it, and if you're comfortable with it, then fine, go go, go right ahead. All right, guys, we're just going on to the election results now uh, from the AEC website. Now this was, I, mean, I'm, I think we're all glad this is pretty much over. Uh, it's been uh, an okay result now that this is why we decided to just delay this straight shooting podcast just temporarily uh, until we actually had uh, the amount of uh, what numbers have actually come in. So, I mean, what did you, what did you guys generally think about the, the election? Um, obviously, the results uh, could have been better. Uh, we saw in what was Ricky Muir in Victoria was yeah. not re-elected in Victoria. Uh, thankfully, Bob Day in South Australia was re-elected. Uh, David Lionhelm in New South Wales re-elected. Yep. And unfortunately, in Queensland, who looked a sure spot, was um, Gabe Buckley Gay from Butler, the LDP yeah. in from Queensland. LDP. Unfortunately, missed out. And I thought when he actually missed out, that uh, mm. David Lionhelm was pretty much a surety of not getting back in, mm. but unfortunately, unfortunately on preferences, um, scraped over the line, which is fantastic. So I guess what's some initial thoughts before we start going through the numbers? My feeling is that the election was a complete circus. Uh, the, the voting public has split away from the three majors, Liberal, Labor and the Greens, in, in two directions, the extreme left and the extreme right. And the media, I think, has helped that by their relentless demonisation of people like Bob Catter and Pauline Hanson, they've actually done them a favour because people are starting to see through the media hyperbole, the hysteria, the twisting of facts, the, the, the half-truths, and that's why these people are polling so strongly. I believe this election is a great first step away from the insanity we've had over the last 20 years, and I think the government will struggle. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we're back at the polls in early 2017 because the whole thing has come down in a screaming disaster and they're completely gridlocked. And I would uh, like to see more 
of what we've had because it's an erosion of the people who've destroyed our country for the last 20 years and it's a breath of fresh air and a chance for us to bring some common sense back into the people who live in Canberra. Yeah, um, well, Jason, I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds. I'm, I'm very happy that David Lineholm got re-elected, obviously, um, but I'm kind of disappointed at the overall um, makeup of the Senate and um, the lower house. What did they um, expect was going to happen, I guess? Well, I mean, not necessarily so the lower house. Lower house is, is, is pretty good because I guess if, if one, liberal, um, uh, one liberal MP you know, um, dies or has a tragic accident or um, if for some reason can't fulfil his duties or her duties or whatever it is, then uh, and Bob Catter ends up having the balance of power pretty much in the lower house. Um, so at the moment they don't, they don't really need Bob Catter. Um, it's a it's a minority government, uh, slim margin. Uh, but in the, in the Senate, in the Senate it's um, a bit of a mixed bag to be honest, and uh, and it's sad because uh, you've got a situation now where the government, if they're going to pass legislation, they will need the votes from the Greens or uh, Labor or a combination from the crossbench. Now. This combination from the crossbench is what worries me because even though Pauline Hanson had quite a lot of people that got up and David Leinholm's there and Bob Day as well, uh, nothing can get past the crossbench without Nick Xenophon. So Nick Xenophon is, I guess, uh, I guess the decision maker there, uh, which, you know, it's a little bit disappointing. Cause He's Nick- already said he won't be repealing 18C, so that's yeah. pretty much off the table. So I don't really see him getting anything done at all for the no. next God knows how long. I mean, and he wanted to get rid of the crossbench. Bob Day, uh, David Leinhelm, Ricky Muir, I guess yeah. Lambie, uh, Lazarus, who's net, not there. Lazarus lost his job. Ricky Muir lost his job. D.O. Wang lost his job. Well, Lambie got back in. Oh, sorry, um, Lambie got back in. Yeah. yeah, Lambie got back in. Lambie got back in, Jason. But the, the biggest thing is now is that uh, it's a little bit disappointing because uh, I don't think David uh, Lionhelm, Lionhelm, as good as he is, uh, to be honest, will not be, uh, I guess, pivotal. This is my opinion. I don't think it will be pivotal in uh, some major changes in terms of legislation. Um, I guess that the best that he can do is to voice his uh, opinion, to speak in Parliament, to continue to write for publications, to continue to get in the media, Sky News, 2GB, 2UE and so on, and uh, I guess promote the Liberal Democrats, promote liberty, promote freedoms and um, uh, I guess push the message out. Uh, to the wider public that we need to start fighting for our freedoms back. We need, we need to uh, stop all this lunacy of the nanny state. And uh, that's pretty much the, uh, the most effective he can be. Now, Nick Xenophon, on the other hand, Jason, uh, he votes with Greens pretty much 70% of the time. And, uh, and, and the sad fact is, is that really for the government to pass any legislation, they need Nick Xenophon, the Greens, or Labor. I mean, all left-wing nutters, really. I mean, Labor less so, but mainly Greens and Nick Xenophon, I mean, they're just left-wing nutters. And uh, what kind of legislation are we going to see in the future? I mean, if government uh, wanted to pass any kind of legislation that's, I guess, uh, uh, pro-Australian, right-wing, whatever you might be, liberty-based, um, it's got very, very uh, slim chance of getting through. Yeah, I was going to... Um, it's definitely been very interesting, that's for sure. I just want to go first here. So we're going to talk about um, New South Wales. Now, very interesting in New South Wales. Obviously, David Lionhelm was re-elected, very luckily, I would assume. Now, what I'm going to say first, before I go into the numbers, I think the pro-gun parties are really going to have to... uh, Well, let's talk about the LDP first. 
I think over the next three years, they're only going to get a three-year term. They're going to have to work extremely hard to, I yeah. think, expand themselves into a state level mm. uh, because if they don't, they only just got in on a half quota. Uh, so they're going to have to definitely get 10% at the next election or thereabouts, um, which I think is going to be extremely difficult unless they can build the brand majorly over the next three years. Six years would have been better, but we know that's not going to happen. So they're going to have to expand, in my opinion, into New South Wales in 2019 in the election, uh, into Victoria state elections, and, and, and continue the good work. Because because if they don't, I think it's going to be very hard to to, to get over the line in, in in the next election in 2017 or 2018 or whatever the next one is. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. I, I agree. But one of the things I wanted to mention is that um, uh, I think it's a, been a huge accomplishment by uh, the Liberal Democrats and David Lionhelm, to be honest, because uh, when they first got voted in, I mean, let's face it, everyone voted for them because they thought they were the Liberal Party. Okay, they were number one on the Senate ballot paper, and what they get four hundred eighty thousand votes. Well, I, think. I, I would I would say I mean me just guessing I would say easily sixty percent of their votes were from people who thought they were voting for the Liberal Party. But now that people know who they are, now that they're I guess established, um, all these votes you can pretty much say they're genuine votes. They're people who genuinely wanted to vote for the Liberal Democrats, and I think that's a great result for David Lionhelm to be re-elected off his own hard work and off his own back and re-elected for the Liberal Democrats is an absolutely fantastic result. And we, and, you know, uh, we almost had two Liberal Democrats in the Senate uh, through Queensland. Um, so, yeah, um, to all those... A lot of people are saying, oh, they didn't get as much votes as last time. Well, last time, people <laughs> didn't know who the hell they were, yeah. right? So this time they know who they are and they actually got in. So I think it's a fantastic but even, result. But even then, unless they really probably double you know, their... their first preference vote, so the number one vote, I think it's going to be very difficult for any... Oh, any pro- definitely difficult for a pro-gun party to get up. Maybe if they increase their vote by a large number uh, and do preferences because they're not really just a shooting uh, pol- uh, political oh, no, party. Libertarian party. You know, so anyway, let's go yeah. on to New South Wales. Fantastic news. All right, here we go. Okay, so Liberal and Nationals, they've got 1,610,000. Labor, 1,405,000. Greens, 332,000. Spit. Not very good. Okay, now people have been talking about Pauline Hanson, whether she's pro-gun. I know she's been pro-gun in the past. She's been out at rallies uh, for 96, etc., talking about you know, dis- you know be- us being disarmed. So if you consider One Nation pro-gun and whether they'll be fighting for our rights, we don't know just yet, but we're going to include them at 184,000 uh, and 12 votes, 184,012. Now, Liberal Democrats, so that's one, two, three, four. They're the fifth biggest party right now in New South Wales with 139,007 votes. At a federal level. At a federal level, yeah. yes. Okay, okay. then we go on to the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, 88,837, which is what, roughly about a 42,000 difference there, um, being a pro-gun party to the next party. That, what sort of swing is that, Jason? Um, that was a percentage, that, that a 1.98% vote and a plus 0.73 swing. So it's definitely an increase. So it's an increase. In, okay, yeah, that's definitely good. Definitely increase. Then we got a family first at 53,027. I mean, you can classify them as pro-gun, I guess, from what David Lionhelmer said. DLP, Democratic Labor Party. 51,000. Um, this is the scary part. I mean, I guess it takes away votes from the Greens, but 37,991 for the Animal Justice Party. Uh, then, yeah, Lib- Australian Liberty Alliance, who I interviewed, which didn't really have a policy, 29,795. 26,720 for Darren Hinch. Um, and if we go over the party, Motoring Enthusiast Party. So, Senator Ricky Muir, former Senator Ricky Muir, 16,356. 
Uh, and, and disappointingly, I think, uh, Rise Up Australia got 7,538 and Catters Australia Party in the whole of New South Wales only got 4,316 votes, mm. which is, um, I mean, it is an, it's a minus 0.34 swing. Uh, but a 0.1% of the vote, 0.10. So um, I'm not really uh, sure those results have been fantastic that David Leinholm got in, which I guess great news. Um, Mario, who yeah. you got up there, mate? Okay, so, um, okay, so I've got Victoria here. So we've got, um, I guess, um, Pauline Hanson's One Nation. Um, I won't read them all out. We know that Liberal uh, Nationals and Australian Labor Party and the Greens Got quite a few senators in. Darren Hinch's Justice Party, of course, came uh, fourth highest in Victoria, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Pauline Hanson's uh, One Nation was the fifth highest in Victoria, 63,000 votes. Liberal Democrat, then Animal, Animal Justice Party behind her, behind Pauline Hanson. So, did they Amazing. get more, more, more votes than the Liberal Democrats in Victoria? Unbelievable. Yeah, they did. They do have a strong following, though, in, in guessing. Um, Animal Justice Party, 60,000 votes in uh, Victoria. Liberal Democrats, 55,000. Nick Xenophon, 55,000. Uh, but the Liberal Democrats just tipped uh, Nick Xenophon team by about 500 votes. Australian Sex Party, 54,000. Family First, 39,000. Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, 36,000. Australian Christians, 34. Moaning Enthusiasts, 31. Drug Law Reform, 23. Australian Liberty Alliance, 23,000. And DLP at 18,000 and so on and so on. So essentially, uh, the thing about Victoria is you've got um, Ricky Muir that unfortunately wasn't re-elected. Yep. 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 So also Australian Country Party here at 9,000. Christian Democratic Party at 9,000 in Victoria. So they didn't go very well. So Ricky Muir unfortunately wasn't elected and I found it very disappointing. I really thought that people would warm to Ricky Muir. I think Ricky Muir was um, doing quite well. He was in the media quite a lot and he was and he's actually was doing a pretty good job in my opinion. So, But anyway, one of the things that I want to mention, uh, Jason, Luke, um, is um, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Increased their vote by 0.22%. Um, Liberal Democrats increased their vote uh, by 1.58%. So they've gone uh, pretty well, uh, pretty good there. And also, you mentioned, Jason, that the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party increased their vote in New South Wales. So a lot of people are talking about vote splitting on the internet. Now, and in terms of, uh, say, for example, oh, well, there's a limited pie of votes, you know, pro-gun, pro-shooting votes. And the more parties you have out there, you know, you're splitting the vote and so on. And... I mean, if that was actually true, then um, the vote for, say, shooters, fishers and farmers and Liberal Democrats should be going down. The swing should be in a negative, but it's not. They're both in a positive. So they've both increased their votes. And the only vote splitting that's happening is people are voting less for the two majors and they're going to more, more towards uh, but maybe minor that's, parties. They might have gone up. Why wouldn't they? Perhaps they've gone up because the general public, maybe that aren't shooters, uh, have just either got new people got in into the sport might be voting for SFP, new people coming on to the, I guess libertarian quote unquote yep. lifestyle. So I mean, it's not necessarily it might not be a fact of you know they might have got more war votes if you know, these parties you know weren't vying against each other. Yeah. I mean, do you think? But they've all they've all got different policies. They're different parties. They've got different philosophies. I don't really see the the correlation. This whole no, vote splitting right. for the shooting I, vote. I, I don't I don't buy it for one second. And uh, look, I, I believe that the Liberal Democrats what they've done is they've increased the pie of the shooting vote, more so than anything else. I don't think there's any vote splitting going on. If there was, then a lot of these parties would be in a, in a negative swing rather than a positive. Now, the, the, the biggest issue here, Jason and Luke, if you have a tally up of all these pro-gun votes, you'll recognise that out of the one million shooters in the country, okay, you've got roughly four to 500,000 that they didn't vote pro-gun. 
So that's where the real problem is. Would you is. count Pauline Hanson though? Justin, would you count Pauline Hanson as being pro-gun in those numbers? Yes, I would, but not a large factor. Right, right. Yeah, so I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I don't think people vote Pauline Hanson because I, they're worried about firearms I admit, laws. I, I put um, Pauline Hanson, in, I, I put one to six above the line. Uh, that They were in my top six, definitely. I mean, when I look at all the Pauline Hansons um, uh, are campaigning, uh, over the ele- over the election campaigning period, it's more about uh, jobs. It's more about immigration, anti-Islam, those sort of things. I can't see uh, a whole huge amount of votes going to Pauline Hanson because of firearm issues. I'll be honest with you. I mean, sure, a lot of gun owners would have maybe maybe put her at number four or five on the spot or three maybe, but um, I just can't see Pauline Hanson as being primarily a pro-gun vote. And uh, and uh, to be honest. Uh, the large, the bigger picture we need to look at here is you've got f- uh, roughly 500,000 people in Australia who own guns who did not put Shooters, Fishers and Farmers or Liberal Democrats or CADA at number one or two but you, uh, you, you, in, you in could, the Senate paper. Hang on, you couldn't even say that, even at 209, or I'll talk about this later, but 298,915, it's almost 300,000 votes to the LDP nationally. Now, I wouldn't consider all them pro-gun votes, you know, pro-liberty, reduced taxes. That, that's right. You might be that's able to say right. maybe 50 or 100,000 came from pro-guns. Exactly, exactly. But let's just assume for the sake of argument, uh, Jason, that let's just assume that if they were pro-gun votes, right, it still leaves 500,000 gun owners in the country who did not put number one or two next to a pro-gun party. Justin? That's correct. And what we're talking about here is first preferences. So whether One Nation was your second, third or fourth uh, option, it doesn't count on these numbers. So there are a large pool of people who own firearms who didn't vote in their own interests, which is not unexpected. People yeah. vote against their interests all the time. And the uh, the federal election was... Uh, a playing field for a lot of issues and firearms is one of them that's very important to us but it's not as important to a lot of people the economy immigration uh, that sort of thing is a higher priority for a lot of people and the results are here and people are searching for an alternative and they're falling off each side of the wagon into these other minor parties Yep, uh, what do you got coming up now? Um, Justin, you got uh, what state you've got over there, mate? Queensland, okay. Uh, Liberal National Party, 960,000. Labor Party, 717,000. Both of them lost a swing. The Liberal National Party, minus 6.12. The Labor Party, minus 2.7. They're hemorrhaging votes because of their arrogance, their hubris, and the way they're treating us. Pauline Hanson's One Nation, 250,000 votes, plus point. Sorry, I'll say that, plus 8.64, almost a 10% increase on last year. Liberal Democrats, 77,601, plus 2.16%, massive. Family First, 52,000, plus 0.84, almost 1%. Catters Australia Party, 48,807, minus 1.15. Catter Mm. lost votes in Queensland. Shooters, fishers, and farmers, 29,571, plus 0.39, an increase, Increase, not massive, but an increase nonetheless. Australian Liberty Alliance, 29,392, plus 1.08. Democratic Labor Party, 15,000 votes, plus 0.25. Christian Democrats, 7,314, plus 0.27. Rise Up Australia, 5,734, plus zero, because they are new party, yes. Oh, they've, yeah, no, yeah. they've been around yeah. for a while, but okay. they haven't... Just zero, zero, zero. So they, yeah, they've got they, the same... They haven't done well, okay. very so there's well the, 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 Their voting base hasn't changed much. No. And no. the antis, the Greens got 189,000 votes, 
plus 0.88. We all know the Greens were looking to and marketing themselves as a getting, grabbing a massive increase across the board, and they have failed spectacularly to achieve that. They increased their vote by less than 1%, and uh, unfortunately, there's 188,000 nutters in Queensland who voted for them. But the <laughs> also, the Animal Justice Party, This, if you thought the Green voters were bad, this is even more scary. 32,306 votes for the Animal Justice Party, plus point. One two percent. So even the Animal Justice Party increased their vote. See, that's disappointing to me. That in in in, in Queensland, it's Queensland mm. in Queensland. That I mean, Animal Justice Party did better than the SFP. Mm. This is very very scary. Mm. These are animal liberation maniacs, and the warning that I want to give to everybody listening here is: there's thirty two thousand people in Queensland who feel this way about animals. Okay, now what we do. We, our view on animals is completely different to theirs, but we need to understand that the media, Facebook, photos, there is an impact of what we do, and anything, any ammunition that we can give them, if, if there's documentation of people being morons, people being irresponsible, people being cruel to animals, it will come back to bite us. Yep. We, we need to be ambassadors for our sport, and these 32,000 people is a sign that there are a lot of people out there who don't want to see cruelty to animals, and they have political voice. The greyhound racing, I'm sure we'll get onto that. This is an issue that we cannot ignore, and we need to be on our best behaviour and treat our game with the utmost respect, because if we do not, it will come back to bite us. Yeah, I agree, Justin. We shouldn't be giving them, uh, I guess, any ammunition. And let me tell you, they will scour the internet for uh, for any kind of ammo against us. And like, I mean, I've seen heaps of videos on YouTube and so on about hunt, hunting videos. And you, you know, you could say a lot of them are, uh, I guess, a little bit gory and those sort of things. And I'm not against posting videos on uh, YouTube, but uh, I just would urge you guys uh, who who are posting videos on YouTube about your hunting adventures and so on. Do your best. Just please leave any kind of gory bits out. I mean, that's just um, common sense, uh, really. Uh, uh, I see a lot of pig dog hunting videos, uh, some on YouTube, some not, that are just, you know, out of control. And what I mean by that is not necessarily in a bad way in my perspective, but they're just really, really uh, unreal videos. And um, and I guess they can be interpreted in a, in a very, very negative way in the hands of the wrong people. Yeah, I, yeah but look, look, Luca... Uh, those election results are quite, um, I guess, disturbing. And I'm just wondering. I just want to ask you guys: Do you think this animal justice is like a, is like a flavour of the month issue for a lot of these young people and all these animal justice warriors? Is it like a boutique issue? You know, like they, they like the the, the sound of the name, perhaps, or animal justice. That sounds good. I'll vote for that. You know, especially a lot of these people who say, for example, in, in on the white paper they put number one next to Greens or Labor or whatever it might be, and then after that two or three that might say, oh, animal justice sounds good. You know, do do you think a lot of those votes are based on that, or are they genuinely left wing animal justice nutters? I'm not sure how to dissect your question, but I would say that this points to a dramatic shift in the um, viewpoint of people in Australia. And there is undoubtedly, undeniably, a new generation of people who are born in the city, shop at the supermarket, and the the big, biggest national park they've been in is a Kuringai Chase. They've never <laughs> crossed the Blue Mountains. Yeah. They've never hiked 20 kilos with everything on their back. And they, as far as they're concerned, they see it on the news and they believe it. Yeah. And that is a reality that we have to deal with. 
and that's why I love these paddock to plate and um, Aussie hunting adventures. Things that this organic free range. Uh, that's something we'll we'll touch on mm. later on. But this whole or this is a way we can educate them is through food and pesticide free, organic, free range, hunted food. Mm. is a way to get into that. But we must be aware that they are very sensitive on this animal cruelty and, and it's because they're ignorant. They don't understand where their food comes from. None of them have been in a slaughterhouse. They don't want to think about where sausages come from. But they, their ignorance makes them a dangerous uh, situation for us because they're voting and they're voting from a position of ignorance. And in New South Wales, we've seen the damage that this Animal Justice Party won one member has done to the greyhound racing industry, oh, and this is just the tip of the spear. They, they, they're out of control. Yep. I mean, are they taking votes away from the Greens, though? That's the question. I mean, is that good? Is that necessarily bad? I think um, it's a bad thing I'm because su- they're going they're to not voting. more I mean, extremes. N- normally, the, when they're voting for animal rights, wouldn't I'm surprised a party is this, getting this many votes considering the Greens would already be against you know, this quote-unquote animal cruelty mm. so i don't i don't understand why so many people are thinking the greens aren't the party to mm. to take take on that particular issue when we know the greens are i've got an opinion on that and i believe the greens are on the way out the greens have um uh, passed their prime and they've shown everybody quite clearly that they are hypocrites and uh, sellouts and the people the voters are leaving the greens and going to animal justice because the greens are not hardcore enough the greens mm. are compromising the greens are wishy-washing and imploding and that's a good thing but the fallout is the voters are now electing more hardcore just like we like to see pauline hansen and david lionhelm fighting for our rights the voters who used to vote greens are now turning to further extreme as well that's an opportunity for us it's also a challenge well um look i absolutely agree with you uh justin uh, that's actually a fantastic observation, really, when, when you think about it. And n- nationally, the Greens used the well, they had 10, uh, 10 members in the upper house, Chase, and now I think they've only got nine. So they've gone down, they've gone down a peg. Um, in the Senate, you mean? He's doing Senate. In the Senate, yeah. 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 So, so, so they've gone down a peg uh, a bit. Unfortunately, Sarah Hanson Young didn't get yeah. the boot <laughs> from South Australia. <laughs> but um. <laughs> it, it would have been good if that. that uh, that tenth member who didn't get in was her. So, <laughs> let's get on to the next one, guys. We've got to get through this stuff. So we've got um, this one's the Australian Capital Territory ACT. Now to get in, they needed a quota of eighty four thousand nine hundred votes thereabouts. Now there was there wasn't really many, if any, pro gun parties except for the Liberal Democrats uh, in the ACT. Now Labor got ninety six thousand votes thereabouts. Liberal eighty four thousand. So they both got well. Liberal just just got under a quota, but obviously got over on preferences. Now the Greens forty one thousand votes. The Australian Sex Party, 10,000, surprising the ACT. Obviously, there's a very liberal down there. And the Liberal Democrats, 7,460 votes uh, with a percentage of two, almost 3% of the vote, 2.93%. And obviously, a swing of plus 2.93 because I think it was their first time running in the Senate in the Australian Capital Territory. Um, What are you guys' uh, thoughts on that? Justin, what do you reckon? You reckon it's a good result? I mean, it's 3% of the vote in the ACT, nowhere near enough to get over the line. Very difficult uh, state, I guess the capital, I guess territory, to actually get elected in, just like the Northern Territory as well. It's a situation where it's almost, it pains me to say this, but inconsequential. It's not where the action was. Uh, the ACT was never going to be a big event for, mm. for shooters uh, or, or common sense 
in general, it being the heart of the insane bureaucracy that we suffer under. Mm. Um, but that's it is what it is. Yeah, I agree with you, Justin. Uh, ACT is a bit of a lost cause, and uh, it's just you know, just recently they passed that religious vilification rubbish. I uh, just can't believe it. I, I don't know. That what's was the ha- Greens guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's happening to our country. It's just unbelievable. But anyway, see, here we go. We continue on, and uh, we've got the South Australia here. So obviously, liberals went well in South Australia. Three hundred forty-five thousand votes, an increase of five point one three percent. The Labor Party two two hundred eighty-nine thousand. Nick Zenefon two hundred thirty thousand. From Nick Why is Nick Xenophon so popular uh, in South Australia? South Australia seem to have a, a very mixture. They have it left wing and right wing. Corey Bernardi, yep. and then you've also got, you know, Nick Xenophon. Well, well, South Australia, I guess what they call Adelaide, uh, the city of churches. Um, so you've got a lot of people, you know, Bible bashers and uh, very family very, first. We've obviously got over first, the line, yeah, Bob Day. Yeah, so. very religious people. But you know, South Australia is just another one of those states, just like Tasmania. It's a welfare state. Okay, so people are either going to vote for more handouts. Or more, uh, I guess, um, uh, conservative uh, right wingers, uh, religious types. So you know, I mean, that's it's unfortunate. But anyway, we continue on. So Nick Xenophon, even though he got two hundred thirty thousand votes, Jason, in South Australia, it was down three point one four percent. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So the Greens, and I don't know where those votes went, but the the Greens um, are down one point two percent. Not enough for my liking, but they got sixty two thousand votes. Pauline Hanson, uh, the fifth largest. Um, in South Australia, 31,000 votes. Family First, 30,000 votes. Um, then you've got Shooters, Fishers and Farmers ended up getting 7,000 votes. Um, and mind you, I'm, I'm just make, just simplifying this for all you good listeners out there. I mean, not giving you the exact number, but it's roughly 7,000 votes. Liberal Democrats, six, uh, almost just, un, just under 7,000 votes. Uh, the Australian Motor Enthusiast Party, 5,000. they got 5,000 in South Australia. It's not bad. Uh, Christian Democratic Party, uh, two and a half thousand, and um, and I'm just turning the page here, Jason. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, here we go. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Pretty much it for South Australia. And uh, the biggest uh, the biggest news in South Australia really is um, in the lower house. Uh, Nick Xenophon ended up getting uh, how many uh, was there? Three, wasn't it? Three. Something like that? I think it's three. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's three. Pauline Hanson got four. No, Nick that, that, got, that's in the Senate. Yeah, in the Senate. They got, I sorry, think, how many lowest? I think he got one in the one, they did to yeah. the, the new... Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure the new one. Anyway, go on, move on from that one. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, that, that's quite interesting. And, um, you know, all, all up, uh, Pauline Hanson really uh, the only pro-gun uh, party, I guess, if you can well, call Bob, it that. No, no yeah. Bob, Bob Day got re-elected. Bob Day as well. Bob Day got re-elected. Bob Day is very conservative. I guess Bob Day would be... Uh, a good fit for the Republican Party in the United States. Uh, I really like Bob. I'm very happy he got uh, re-elected. Um, but yeah, so Liberal Democrats uh, in South Australia uh, went minus 2.8%. But shooters, fishers and farmers in South Australia was point, uh, 0.015% up. So, I mean, they, they went pretty good, the shooters, fishers and farmers in South Australia. But yeah, that's pretty much the South Australian roundup there. I mean, when you're considering Nick Xenophon getting 230,000 votes, I mean, even the LDP and SFP combined, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's a, good, it's a good result at all, considering really, I mean, people hunting and fishing down there and stuff like that. I mean, it's, I think it's poor. What on earth attracts people to Nick Xenophon? That's what I want to know. I see his I, face I just, and I just think, oh, it just annoys me looking the at guy, it. I mean, look, <laughs> the guy, I, I don't understand any of his policies. Um, he wants to well, cut gambling. 
Um, he wants well, David to, Lyonsfilm says basically he's, he's a green, you know. Well, he, he votes with the green 70% of the time. I mean, no, I think it's more than that. I think it was 90% of the time, 92%. Well, I heard 70, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the guy's, you know, he's a left wing nutter. His strategy, I believe, is to take the green, the disgruntled green vote, the disgruntled Labor and Liberal, and appear as a populist centrist. And that, and he's been successful at that. The media loves him. He's young. He's charming. He turns on the charm. Mm. And at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait and see what kind of result it is because he is uh, taking our way those uh, the people who used to vote for the big three and he's scooping them up because the Australian public is dissatisfied with the status quo. I wonder mm. why it's in specifically in uh, South Australia. But anyway, on to the mm. next state. What have we got over Western there? Western Australia. Liberals got 525,000 plus 4.43%. Labor Party, 386,000 plus 6.73. Uh, and now just for... To ex- explain that, mm. they took them off the Palmer United Party, which exploded. Um, so mm. Palmer Palmer's, got smashed yeah, in this election yep, big time. Correct. So, that, so that's how both majors could increase their vote. Uh, One Nation got 55,000 votes plus 4.03%. Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, 25,000 votes plus 0.83, an increase again. Australian Liberty Alliance, 15,000 plus 1.11%. The Liberal Democrats got 10,771 votes, a reduction of 1.03%. They did not do well in Western Australia. Mm. Democratic Labor Party, 9,405 votes, plus 0.48%. And Family First got 8,729, a loss of 0.1%. The Greens got 143,000 nutcases to vote for them. Jesus Christ. A loss of 5.07%. The Greens got massacred in Western Australia, which is good to see. Yeah. Let's convert those 143,000 people to uh, somebody with a brain. Nick Xenophon got 29,656, an increase of 2.17%. So, like I said, that uh, validates what uh, we've been saying. The majors, uh, basically, last time, Palmer United Party was the protest vote and uh, and swept the pool. Then they imploded and the votes have fallen out in favour of, largely, Nick Xenophon and uh, a few of the minor parties. Well, I'm very happy to hear that massive swing against the Greens, but still 140,000 nutters. In WA, I mean, seriously. Ah, oh, jeez, our work's cut out for us. Um, any other, another state? There's another state yeah. there, Justin, final state. Which one's that one? We usually forget it. Tasmania. <laughs> oh, God. Nice one. Australian Labor Party. They've got Party. two feet. <laughs> <laughs> I should say two feet for hands. G'day, everyone in Tasmania. Okay, we yeah. love you. We, we love you for what you did with that uh, military appearance. That was fantastic work. Keep it up. Australian Labor Party got 113,000 votes plus 0.76, so not much change there. The Liberals got 110,000 votes. They lost 4.98%. Good to see. Mm. Pauline Henson's One swing. Nation got 8,700 plus 2.57%. Family First, 6,692 plus 0.66%. Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, 4,688 plus 028 an increase. Small, yes, but it's still an increase. Good result down there. Fred Nile, Christian Democrats, 2,861 plus 0.84. The Recreation Fishers Party, 2,376 plus 0.7. Liberal Democrats, 1,662 minus 1.83. Did not do well in Tasmania. Bad, bad Australian result. Liberty Alliance, 1,112 plus 0.33. The Greens got 37,840 votes, 
a loss of 0.5%, which is fantastic, seeing that Tasmania is their uh, ancient homeland. Mm. Uh, it is fantastic to see They're Tasmanians waking up to the menace that these people are. They didn't wake are. up to uh, Jackie Lambie, unfortunately. Jackie but, Lambie um, got 28,146, an increase of 8.3%. Nick Xenophon team got 5,128, plus 1.51. And the Animal Justice Party, 2,377, plus 0.7 percent Darren Hinch's Justice Party 1473 an increase of 0.43 so those um, the, mm. the like I said the, the votes are falling out in two different directions the left hand side and the right hand side yeah all right what we're going to do is going to have a quick look over as a, as a whole uh, nationwide okay so about four four million one hundred thousand votes to labor party two million seven hundred thousand to the liberals so obviously a massive a massive uh, change there in regards to how many uh, votes compared to uh, the Australian Labor Party. Quite significant. The Greens, 1,100,000. Uh, then we go down to, this is an interesting one. If you, Pauline Hanson did very, very well. Uh, 593,000 votes nationwide, um, a, pl- a swing of plus 0.376 and a percentage of 4.29% of the vote over the nation. Did, did you say 4 million to Labor and 2 million to the Liberals? You yes, should, are but, you sure that's right? Yeah, but the pro- yes, but the, what isn't, I have made a mistake here because they've actually cut it up in between Liberal and National. So Liberal oh, National right, yeah. Party co- got nine hundred and sixty thousand yeah. votes. So my okay. apology. Yeah. So they probably weren't far off when you actually count about three or four hundred thousand votes difference. Right. Okay, Pauline Hanson is at five hundred ninety-three thousand. Xenophon four hundred and fifty-six thousand. So that's quite uh, interesting. Mm. Liberal Democrats two hundred ninety-eight thousand, almost three hundred thousand votes. Uh, and not far behind, there was Darren Hinch at 266,000. Shooters and Fishers, 192,000 votes. Family First, 191,000. So not much of a change. You know, very close to the Shooters and Fishers party. Australian Liberty Alliance, 102,000. DLP, De- Democratic Labor Party, did not too bad. 94,000 votes. Uh, motoring mm. Enthusiasts, 53,000 votes. Catters Australia Party, 53,000 votes. Just 100 less, actually, than the Motoring Enthusiast Party. Rise Up Australia, 36,000. And uh, the rest really weren't yeah. uh, worried talking about. So pretty, so pretty much, Jason, if you added up the LDP and uh, SFF votes and Catter votes, which are all pretty much pro-gun you votes. You probably would have had, say, 200, 300, 500, about 550,000 550, votes. 550,000. So there you go, guys. Like but, I said. I wouldn't say to... all the LDP are pro-gun. I no, definitely wouldn't that's say right. that at all. No, absolutely not. But let's just assume for a moment that they are, right? Okay, let's just assume. Even if they were, okay, you've got 500,000 people who own firearms that just didn't, did not care enough about their um, their pursuits, their, their freedoms, their, um, I guess, uh, their rights to uh, bother about voting number one in the Senate uh, for SF, SFF or LDP or CADA. So, I mean, it's it's real sad uh, state of events, to be honest, and, and it comes back to, uh, I guess, growing the pie, if you will, growing the pie of the votes. Um, there's... This vote splitting that everyone keeps going on about in the internet, I wish these people would just shut up because there is no vote splitting going on. The pie uh, is huge. We just need to grow it. And the SFF need to work hard at growing it. The LDP need to work hard at go- growing it. Same with Cata. We need to get people rallied and to, to go out there and to support their clubs, support their political parties and uh, try and get some of those 500,000 votes that just weren't there in the last election. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. 
aussieoutdoorgear.com.au. Quality gear at affordable prices. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit www.sydney.net. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sport shooting event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is coming to Perth. There'll be hunting gear, knives and optics from all the big names, safety seminars and workshops by leading experts, pest control solutions for farmers, over 100 displays, one location. The SSAA Shot Expo just keeps getting bigger. Claremont Showgrounds, Perth, October 22nd and 23rd. Supported by Swarovski, Winchester and ATN Night Vision. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au. All right, guys, the next, the first one of the first articles, we're going to go into the Greyhound racing just after this. We're going to have Marty on our show just in a few minutes. Uh, this is gun enthusiasts shooting teddy bear Muslims, dis, uh, sorry, deny inciting violence. A pair of gun enthusiasts, and if you don't know who this is, this is Shooting Stuff Australia. They do a YouTube video, uh, obviously just a bit of fun uh, shooting. Mm. Uh, if you have fire yep. extinguishers, those gas cans, you put in those little portable stoves. They do reviews, they reviews on fire, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, know, I know these guys pretty well. I shot with them, I think, last year at Christmas. And I went out to the range and they provided all the ammo and it was actually a pretty good time. They're actually nice guys and uh, I'm going to be hunting with them again just coming up soon in about a month's time. But um, as is a pair of gun enthusiasts facing calls for police to revoke their firearm licence, say videos they filmed for the Greens logo being shot at and teddy bears dressed as Muslim terrorists exploding in flames uh, as a bit of harmless fun. The Queensland men knows as Marty and Aaron, who run a YouTube channel called Shooting Stuff Australia, have been accused by MP David Shoebridge of displaying violent attitudes towards members of the Muslim community and towards political parties. I don't know how you do that when you're actually shooting at a green sign. In the video posted nine months ago, they're very quick on this, nine months ago, a greens logo is shot roughly a dozen times as a thick red substance ooze out of the holes. Another repeatedly shows a koala holding a greens logo being blown away. Right, this is how... I just can't believe this stuff. It says, other videos of teddy bears with towels taped to their heads and fake explosive belts strapped around them being shot or blown up. In one video, a teddy bear was wearing a fake explosive belt and a black cloth that leaves only its eyes visible. An apparent reference to a Muslim woman who is wearing a niqab. Now, this is obviously uh, an article. Sorry, I didn't say that. It started with Sydney Morning Herald. But this yeah. actually started with a guy by the name, I think his name was Paul Farrell from The Guardian. He must have saw the videos. Apparently, he's pro-immigration, these sort of things, based on what we saw on his yeah. Facebook uh, account. Another, another left-wing Now, guy. we're going to get Marty on the phone in a minute from Shooting Stuff Australia. But before we do that, uh, we've got this is the most interesting one. Uh, if I'm just making sure I've actually got the right one. So first off, Paul Farrell wrote an article. Then he followed a get Marty, he actually sent me the email. It's, this is from Paul Farrell. It says, Hi, Marty. Hope you're well. I understand that SSAA Queensland is currently reviewing your membership with them at the moment. 
Just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to the review they have announced and whether there was anything you wanted to add about whether you felt like you had breached their code of conduct. Be great to hear back from you uh, by 5 p.m. today. Okay, going on from that was the, the uh, Paul Farrell then followed up with another article on Saturday the 6th of August 2016. Uh, Shooting Body Reviews Membership of Gun Owner Involved in Violent Video. Now, the worst part about this, and I'm very, very, very disappointed actually in uh, Jeff Jones on this one. Uh, I'm not even sure if Aaron, well, I should talk to him just a few minutes if he isn't a member of uh, the SSAA. It says, The Sporting Shoot Association of Australia's Queensland spokesman, Jeff Jones, confirmed it was reviewing the membership of Martin Phillips, one of the men involved in the online group. Uh, now, the interesting part was, he says, after the Guardian Australia's report about the group, Jones said, SSAA Queensland is currently reviewing the membership of Martin Phillips. Our review will follow the proper due processes as we conduct our own internal investigation into whether Mr. Phillips retains or loses his membership. That being said, we will not tolerate anyone who brings the integrity of our sport into question. Phillips denies he is a member of the SSAA. Sorry, sorry, Philip denies he's a member of the SSA. Well, it means SSAA. I left the SSAA in 2015 and joined another club that offered better benefits for members. Plain and simple, he said. Okay, and then this is the worst part. In an earlier statement, the SSAA's media manager, Kate Fantanel, said all members must adhere to a strict code of conduct, which, in, which includes preserving the good image of our sport and the association at all times. Now, from far as I'm aware, they only mentioned in one of their videos about the SSAA that um, uh, they offer genuine reasons. That's the easiest way to get a firearms license, which, well, we know people that join the club get it because the genuine reason to get a firearms license, quite obviously. Um, it said uh, they must, in, uh, they, sorry, go back, go back to the start says, which includes preserving the good image of the association at all times. While the SSAA is proud of Australia's culture of larrikinism and mateship, the ownership and use of firearms is a privilege that should not be abused. Uh, membership of the Australia's biggest shooting organisation does not entitle any member to use firearms irresponsibly, nor does it pave the way for easy access to firearms ownership. Mars, I know you're a big fan of this one about right versus privilege. We brought it up on shows before, yeah. meanings about right versus privilege. How is it when you've got the, the national media manager, and I did meet her at the SHOT Show, and I did, I did give her a bit of a bollocking on uh, Facebook and said, if you're going to do this in the future, please stay out of the media because you're doing this irreparable damage. Privilege, what are you talking about? Do you know about gun yeah. rights? What's your thoughts on that one? Oh, well, look, she, she, I've met her too at the gun show, and she seems very nice, but you know, she's, she's quite young. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them aren't bad. But, I mean, in this situation, what do you think about rights versus privileges? We spoke about it before. How is it when a national person that's supposed to be their media manager, why not go into bat for these guys? I mean, there's, yeah, 10, I know. Million, I know. there's 10 million videos on YouTube. Hickok 45, very yeah. well respected in America, blowing up watermelons, shooting on his range, blowing up soda cans. How is it irresponsible and define irresponsible? Yeah, oh, look, look, I understand. Look, uh, look, plinking, plinking shouldn't be against the law, and it isn't. You know, like if why you're can't private, we have fun? Yeah, well, you know, you can, but uh, I guess uh, what this is all about, Jason, in a nutshell, is this is about um, the Greens and people in the left wing trying to police our thoughts, trying to police our language, trying to police our recreation, because they see this behaviour as like, oh, that's too far right wing, you know, type of uh, fun they're having there. We must uh, clamp that down. And that's what it. That's what it comes down to. That's all. That's all it comes down to. So it's all about uh, mind control. So this is. Uh, but why weren't they going into defence of these guys? I mean, again, people don't want to blow Jason, stuff Jason, up. Yeah, I know. But listen, Jason, this is all about them trying to attack Marty and Aaron and trying to create some trouble for them, so that hopefully, if trouble is created, it will deter other people from doing the same sort of things. Is it and meant to distance themselves as well from from this sort of thing? Do you think? 
I agree. The, the There's two issues here. The first one is the SSAA are under a microscope. They've got a call out of the blue from a journalist who can't be trusted by the very definition yeah. trying to stir up a story and it's yeah. not going to be good. And I can understand why Kate said and the, the others said what they said because uh, they do have a point. And it comes back to what I said before about the animal justice people and we have a, a duty and a responsibility to be responsible and not give them any ammunition. Hickok 45 can shoot watermelons, he can shoot fire extinguishers. This brings me to my second point, which this is about symbols, okay? You can shoot a fire extinguisher, it's an inert object. You can shoot a watering can, you can shoot clay targets out of the air. But when you start shooting a political sign or you start shooting something with a dress uh, manner manner of dress that aims at a certain person that crosses a line or, or a group or a group i believe that crosses a line from larrikinism to irresponsibility but and then how do they do it when i mean it's just a a, a teddy bear i mean I, no, I, I i disagree it wasn't just a teddy bear mm. it was a teddy bear dressed up with mm. a towel on its head or a knicker burka whatever that is a step too far i believe mm. But my personal opinion, I agree with what you guys are saying about rights versus privilege, but I think that's splitting hairs. And the issue here is we've had someone who, in a bit of fun, yeah, it's gone a little bit too far, double SSAA are in damage control, and they've towed the line and said what they said. I'm not saying we throw these guys under the bus. I'm just saying that our response needs to be proportionate. I think, I mean, you know, well, I, well, I think most of us wouldn't, I mean, to say it was as directed exactly at Muslims, I don't believe that at all. I mean, do we really? I mean, if it's obviously it was supposed to be terrorists, I think most people would get that. I mean, perhaps some people might get it wrong. I think they're making a story out of nothing for a start. But I mean, why do we need to? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I mean, uh, you're saying why do we need to censor ourselves? But, yeah, but who, who supports? I, I don't support terrorists. And if they're actually referring to terrorists, which I presume it would be, they want to talk about shooting Muslims in particular. Well, I don't really. Oh, sorry, I don't really see an issue with it whatsoever. I don't. You know, okay. I, I just don't see an issue. I just don't see an issue. I, I see this as them trying, uh, I guess, the people from the Guardian and Greens trying to enforce some kind of political correctness mm. onto uh, Marty and Aaron. And to be honest, um, I'm a slightly disappointed. Uh, well, I wouldn't say slightly. I think I'm generally disappointed in response from SSAA because I think really they... Uh, they I'm not they, saying you've got I, to be I don't into think, it. I don't think, look, I, don't, I think they've put themselves under a microscope. To be honest, um, I mean, I, I we all know if you put stuff on YouTube, like I've done. You, but, but I mean, I'm on YouTube shooting. I mean, it, it gets it distance itself a little bit. I think some of my earlier videos, I'm shooting gas cans and those little cans with the 12 gauge rifled slug shotguns. Nobody mentioned a single thing about it. I mean, okay, you want to dress people up? People could say there's been. The, I think you'd have to be pretty silly not to really understand that. Okay, they're having a bit of fun. They're shooting it. Yeah, quote unquote terrorists. Yeah. I mean, I don't support terrorists. I don't think most people here would. No. So I, 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 I don't see a problem. Okay, I know one of the microscope. I get all that. I know. I understand it completely. Um, but I mean, why didn't the double come out? So well, we haven't seen the videos. Um, you know, we're not, we're not sure if he's a member. End of story. Or just don't respond if that's what you're going to put out. I think that we deserve a whole lot better because, I mean, people go out there, look at Demolition Ranch, Hickok 45, um, FPS Rush. I mean, I've seen FPS Rush do some stuff that is, in my opinion, is crazy. But, I mean, I, I reserve his right to do it. If he ends yeah. up shooting himself and he blows up some tenor right and takes his head off, yeah. well, mate, you're being warned. You're doing stuff that that's, uh, can be. When you're blowing stiff stuff up, there are risks, you know what I mean? We know that. We know there are risks. Could be a ground fire. There could be a bit of, you know, debris that ends up hitting him, you know? I think, I think Jason, to be honest, um, I think, um, look, a ballsy thing would have been to say from Jeff Jones, okay, is that, uh, look, these gentlemen haven't broken any laws. Uh, 
we've got a strong t- tradition of gun ownership in Australia and larrikinism. And as far as I'm concerned, in the state of Queensland, there is nothing against the law about uh, shooting some, you know, targets uh, on a private property. And they're doing it with a bit of fun. Uh, sure, it might be in poor taste for some, but to be honest, they haven't broken any laws, and I see no reason to take any kind of action. I think that would have been mm. a pretty good response back to these people. Instead, the double S double A, in my opinion, have I guess cowered down a little bit and say, "Oh, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll review their um, membership and we'll do something about it." You know, like I think I think it's cowardly. I take your point, but I I feel that the to sprinkle or look at make it appear like the green sign was oozing blood adds a human element to it, which is only it's a slippery slope. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and okay. this sort of thing in. It, it, it's a it's a lesson to all of us that the things we put on uh, out in the media, we need to think. One of the things we need to do is check the sounders right, the editing, the music. Yeah, I've got all the spelling yeah. right. Now, how could David Shoebridge spin this against us? Just put yourself in his shoes mm. for just one second. But he, but he did it. Don't forget. Did you watch that one, the Sydney Militia with Sean, mm-hmm. where he had his firearms? I think he's a cat D holder. He had mm-hmm. um, ammo out, and I, I just didn't. I did when I was actually speaking to him. I said, yeah, you probably shouldn't have had the ammo out mm-hmm. in the same video. But I mean... That, I didn't think you'd break, break any laws. I know, but yeah, what... That's, what that, and that's exactly my point. While they're not breaking the laws, there is a grey area on the fringe. And I think that there, while it's all done in fun, I understand that. But the antis can grab it and use it against us. And it's not the antis we're ever going to win against. They mm. are ideologically fixed in concrete. But there is a massive body of Australians out there who don't really care either way. But when they see stuff like this, they think, ooh. And that is what, that, that's where we get, just need to take a step I get back. a bit freaked out when I just think, you know, I'm more of the, you know, we're really becoming a, a, just a soft nation of people that would think, oh, yeah, they're actually talking about shooting people or, I mean. Look, I, I, think, Jason, I think we're coming a bit soft. I mean, I think a little bit. Jason, I think the response from Jeff Jones is really soft, to be honest, because they print out, put out a magazine, the ASJ magazine, and on the front cover, I think it had a big sign of the Greens with a massive circle and a red cross across it. Mm. You know, I mean, sure, it wasn't blood oozing out or whatever it might be, but, you know, they've done similar things as well in their publications. And I think, to be honest, Jeff Jones, there would have been – a way for him, for him to stick up for these guys and their larrikinism without sounding like an extreme nutter himself as well. And that would have given them a strong message also to all these um, Guardian people, uh, you know, people from The Guardian and all these other reporters that, listen, you know, you can, you can bag our boys on YouTube as much as you want. We're going to stick up for them, um, you know, because as long as they haven't broken a law and as long as they're within the guidelines of, um, I guess, you know, I just uh, don't want to do the whole dumb down. No. We're, we're afraid to, to make shooting videos. We're afraid to go hunting. Yeah. We're afraid. Uh, I, I frank, I'm not saying these guys in particular, but just when people online post this stuff, sometimes that pushes that envelope just a bit, just that little bit, just that little bit. I think he's somewhat good because I'm, I'm sick of the PC establishment. I'm sick of Shoebridge. Shoebridge would have come up with a story regardless. I mean, they're going, oh, you're shooting Muslims. They're saying they're shooting terrorists. I mean, would people really actually think they're actually, actually shooting like people, like thinking they're actual people? I mean, yeah. anyway, what we're going to do, we're going to get Aaron, uh, sorry, Marty actually on the line in just a few minutes. Any final thoughts, guys, on that one? Too? Yeah. yeah, well, um, one of the things I want to say is... Sorry, put is, your hand up, Mario. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with what Justin is saying, uh, that it's in really poor taste and we really need to be uh, careful about 
about the things that we put out on the internet, but also, Justin, this kind of is comes down to a free speech issue, right? Because I don't really think you can say that they're inciting violence, right? Because they're shooting at a teddy bear and they're shooting at a sign. I don't think you can really say that that is inciting violence. They're not urging people to go out and say, for example, um, kill members of the Greens. They're not urging people to go out and, and kill Muslims. They're not, uh, really. They're just shooting at imaginate, um, uh, inanimate objects, uh, I guess symbols, whatever it might be. And, and, and I think that comes down to the core of free speech. Sure, is it in bad taste? Would I do it? No, I wouldn't do it. And you know, it, it probably is in bad taste. I wouldn't do it. But I, I guess... You know, this comes more fundamentally to uh, an issue of freedom of speech as well as, uh, I guess, you know, uh, us being able to uh, have fun with our firearms in a legal manner on private property. I I take your point. They certainly haven't done anything illegal because if they had, they would be in prison. It's it's as sim- simple as that. Well, uh, yeah. my, my my personal view is that each one of us is an ambassador for our sport mm. and we need to just be aware that the Greens will seek and warp anything we do, and it's just a reminder to everybody, best behaviour. All right, and speaking about that, we actually have uh, Marty on the line joining us here, mate. Marty, how are you going? Thanks for joining me on the Australian Hunting Podcast, well, the straight shooting, actually. Cheers. Thanks Thanks for uh, having us on, Jase. How's it going, boys? Good. Good. We just uh, had a speak about um, uh, this this issue about, uh, you know, from Paul Farrell from The Guardian, right about you guys. Um, you know, we, we talked about different videos. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, man. We had some di- little bit of differing opinions amongst us here, saying you know about the videos. Uh, listen, I've I've said before, I don't think it's you know this is my opinion. I don't think it's really you know a huge issue. We've seen you know, there's tens of thousands of videos on YouTube. FPS Rush, Rock 45, Demolition Ranch, making videos. So, what was your take on this Paul Farrell guy, mate? Oh, mate, just another bloody media beat up. You know. Um, I haven't been really concerned about it, to be honest. If anything, it's just sort of gained a bit more, um, bit more traffic across the uh, YouTube channel and across the Facebook page. So it it, it hasn't really hurt us at all. Um, you know, we've had a fair few people come out in support of us and that. And um, you know, as far as the double S double A goes, investigating my membership. Um, that, Mate, that, are you still I, a member? They did say um, are you a member. Are you a member? Because there's been some people saying yes, you are. No, you aren't. Can you just clarify that and give us a hundred percent on that one? At the time he asked me the question, I had let my membership lapse because I've taken up a, a shooters union uh, membership instead. I just, I just think as a as a pro shooting organisation, they're much more active um, in fighting for shooters' rights than the WSWAR. Um, but unfortunately, the the member of um, the club that I'm a member of. Um, the Pistol Club requires you to have a SSAA membership. So um, I have renewed my membership with SSAA just recently and there's been no, um, like no one asked me any questions there about it. So as far as membership being under review, I think that's just a bit of a bit of a furphy that um, the reporters come up with, mate, because there was no issues brought up with me when I renewed my membership there. So, Okay. Um, Marty, are you disappointed in, um, I guess, the response from Jeff Jones and SSAA? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, that's pretty piss poor on their half because, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you think our um, videos are in, in poor taste or not, um, there was no illegal activity in them at all. Um, everything we do, um, we've, we run by weapons licensing first um, to, um, to make sure that we're, um, you know, using our firearms in accordance with the Queensland Weapons Act of 1990. Um, there's nothing inside that act that we are in breach of. Um, so 
you know, and it's it's not conducted on double S double A property. We don't display double S double A logos. Um, in fact, I think I've really only ever mentioned double S double A once on the show in an episode I did um, to help people out on how you go about getting a gun license. Um, so for double S double A to come out and say that we're you know, potentially a breach of their code of conduct, I think, is just a bit of a wank, to be honest. I think they could have uh, just as easily said no comment rather than say anything at all. Um, do, but, do you think? Do you think they may have uh, their comments may have been like in a, in an effort to put uh, a little bit of water on the fire? Oh, perhaps you know, but I, I think in in that regard too, they could have just as easily said nothing at all. You know, like the old saying goes, "Maybe you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all." Um, but you know that I, I sort of see their side of it. Like if they, you know, want to disassociate themselves from us, that's fine. But we've in no way been a big proponent of double S double A anyway. I've been quite critical of them before in the past. Um, you know, they're they're a business, not a shooter's rights organisation um, that they sort of make themselves out to be. Marty, so, Jason but, again. Uh, was there any issues? I know they were talking in the uh, – was there any issues with sponsors? I know that. There was, I think, one guy from whichever – I'm not sure which company it was that sort of said a, f- a few things in the article that I, I didn't – I haven't read out yet that uh, they were sort of didn't know this was going on. Has there been any backlash from the people that you've been supporting you or anything like that? No, not at all. And, and just to be clear, like, no one pays us in any of our videos – um, we don't we don't charge money or anything like that. Um, Vortex Optics has been helping us out in the way of, you know, when they have a new product hit the market or we want to do a, a review on a hunting rifle or something like that, they've just been lending us one for free for us to use. Um, and we've been able to buy direct from the distributor at a slightly lower price than, you know, retail. That's, that's you know, I've, I've been very transparent with everybody about the, the deal we've had with them. Um, I've not actually spoken to the gentleman that owns the company that imports them. We've only ever dealt with the, um, the Queensland manager and his staff there, and they've been brilliant. They like our show. Um, so there's, there's no issues there. Um, the, it's all ongoing there as far as we're concerned. They said, you know, pop down, we'll lend you whatever you want, same as always. So there's been no issue there. Um, David over at um, Pro Tactical slash Gun Exchange, he's been brilliant. He's been really supportive of us also. Um and um, another another company that wasn't mentioned on there that um, we've just sort of they send us up a bit of stuff um, from time to time which you'll see in our next video um, that they, they've been quite happy as well though they haven't had any issues so um, we've we've had no negative feedback at all it's just basically um, you know something from that reporter just to say oh look you know. I've written this story and now as a result I'm, I'm getting these guys shot down, you know, like it's just, it's just a, a wank, mate. We've, we've, we've had no negative, um, we've had nothing negative happen to us at all from the whole, whole thing. So you reckon the, didn't you have, you got approval from weapons licensing, which you said, and um, no issues there. You haven't even heard from anyone, have you? No, no. Like we've we've had we've had nothing happen to us. Um, Aaron, Aaron's quite friendly with the, uh, um, the local police out in the area where we, we film our reviews on the property we use out there. Um, he was had a barbecue with them last Saturday and they sat around watching our videos and everything and having a laugh and like, there's no, you know, there's nothing in there basically. It's just a, um, you know, in my opinion, it's just David Shoebridge trying to stay relevant after the election. Um, one question, mate. We've got one more question or two more. What One, why do you think this Paul Farrell just tried to create a, a – or Mario's got one too uh, – create an issue out of it? And two, uh, like you know, there's different people. Do you think they could have taken it – like, I mean, when you're shooting these bears, I mean, I guess you know, some people might say, oh, you know, that you could be misconstrued. What's your thoughts on it? Mate, I, I think it um, – whether you want to view it that way or not, we've, we've never mentioned – 
um, any particular religion or ethnic group or anything in any of our videos. And in fact, the episodes that feature the Taliban's, which are you know a, a bit of a joke. Like it, to me, it's light-hearted Australian humour. As Australians, we take the piss out of each other. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just what it's just what happens, you know. Like, and if you if you've got no sense of humour, like you know, pardon the French, but like harden the fuck up, you know. Like it's. It is what it is. Like we, we haven't made fun of anyone. We've certainly not incited it. I, I challenge anyone to go back through any of our videos and point out to me a specific incident in any of them where we incite violence against anybody. I mean, as you know, as law-abiding firearms owners, we're deemed not to be a threat to anybody, and you know, when we're not advocating for anyone to go out and and harm anybody. And the the fact that, you know, people are suggesting that that's what we're doing, I, I find it quite laughable, to be honest. And and in all our videos, there's, you know, there's two episodes featuring Taliban's, you know. We've got more than 20 videos up online, and then that's growing, you know, every week. And, you know, and, and as it states in the article, that footage is over nine months old. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. Hey Marty, listen, I've got I've got one major criticism of your videos, mate. And look, yeah, that's right. The editing's shocking. <laughs> I thought the editing, no, the, the sound. I said, no, I told him, no, I told him about the sound, but we, he's improved the sound with the with the iPhone videos. He's improved the sound with the iPhone videos. No, so Are you going to hash him because he's the one that does the editing? <laughs> listen, well, mate, the, the editing shit out, oh, right? <laughs> Hey how, many, hey, how many shows do you edit of this show? Fucking zero. None, zero. None, none. <laughs> but, but look, mate, seriously, look, I enjoy your videos a lot and I get a good laugh out of them, but sometimes they just drag on and on and on and I just think, oh, come on, guys, cut the scene, cut the scene. <laughs> yeah, we've... Um I, I have had that. We, me and Aaron have had this discussion as well. And um, in fact, one of the la- latest videos we did, there's the Starbo. We originally put that out um, as a 40 minute video. And then like Aaron rang me out, we said, it's just too fucking long. Like, we just, we got to sort of chop a heap of stuff out of it. So we started doing that and we've tried to keep the long ones down around the 20, 25 minutes. And one of the biggest criticisms we've had, and it's, it's been from everybody, you know, and it is constructive criticism. Like, I mean, we get we get death threats and all that sort of shit from greenies all the time. It just makes me laugh. That just makes me – that just reinforces to me that I'm, I'm on the right track with the videos if they're pissing greenies and lefties off. Um, but um, it, it has been the sound quality. Um, like Aaron and I are just two blokes with basically no technical knowledge of audio-visual equipment. The only thing we know a lot about is guns oh, we and know. ammo, basically. <laughs> They did say, I did see a video, uh, a YouTube, they reckon, you know, that's hard. How do you do a video that's, say, 25 minutes long, making it into a smaller video? Because, you know, it's difficult because they say, people say they say three to t- three to seven minutes is the, people look at a video. And I know when I do it, if I'm trying to find a recipe or something, three to seven minutes, they go, you've lost them after that. If it's too long, they'll look and go, oh, 20 minutes, no, I'm going to go to that video over there, yeah. which is two minutes long and gives me bang, 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 bang. So how do you keep it? That's, I mean, how do you keep it to that three to seven minute mark? I mean, yeah, we're, we're still, I mean, to be honest, we've been at it for um, almost a year now and we're still really trying to put a format together. I mean, we don't want to look too much like anybody else. Um, so, we, you know, we're still trying different things. Um, we are trying to like put, 
two types of videos together, one being actual firearm reviews where we take a firearm, explain about it, shoot it a bit so people get a, a look and a feel of it sort of thing, and then another type of video where we just take something out in the paddock and just shoot the living daylights out of it, um, like we did with the refrigerator a little while back. Um, we, we've got a couple more white goods lined up. My washing machine just died a little while ago, so that'll be headed out to the range soon. <laughs> so what do you hate, hey, Marty, again, it's Jason, what do, you, what do you do if you say, people say, like, you know, like shooting shooting a, a, a refrigerator and, and, you know, that's that's bad for shooting or whatever it may be? And do you think that's an issue at all? Do you like to push that envelope a bit, or what do you think? No, I, th- I think it's good use of a secondhand refrigerator myself. Um, <laughs> they're really good to hang your targets on as well because uh, the bullets just pass right through. They don't get any splash back on there. So white goods do make excellent target backboards. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not doing anything illegal. Like if if Queensland's Weapon Act of 1990 um, stated in it. Um, that you're not allowed to shoot white goods, you're not allowed to dress teddy bears up and shoot like that. We'd cease doing it tomorrow. But the simple fact of the matter is we're two guys that are out there enjoying what's fun and legal. And, you know, we get people say, oh, what you're doing is not safe. But if you were to come out and take a look at how long it takes us to set up the range and um, set those videos up and the safety equipment and everything we have on standby just in case there is some sort of accident, like, we are quite safe. I know we sort of have the appearance of a couple of yahoos, but, like, in my opinion, that that represents, you know, quite a lot of shooters. There'll be some out there that go, oh, these guys don't represent us and, mate, you know, the simple thing is just don't watch us if you don't like it. But yeah. what we're what we're doing is legal um, and and allowed under. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure specifically about the other states, but everything we do is perfectly acceptable and legal in Queensland. And I think for people to say, oh, you know, you shouldn't draw attention to it. Well, I look at it back the other way and I go, no, you know what? We absolutely should draw attention to it because this is the fun stuff that sucks people into shooting, um, mate. Like I've, I've I've spoken to the president of. Uh, my local rifle club, mate, they're losing members because they bring new shooters out to have a go and it's a bunch of old blokes lying on their guts shooting 22s at 25 metres while single round loading one round at a time. It's just boring. <laughs> and no one wants to do it. And, they're, you know, people, they're saying, oh, you know, we're losing rifle club members and we're losing pistol section members because the competitions are boring as shit. No one wants to do it. So by making it look fun and exciting, like, sure, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but... It, it absolutely is the cup of tea of people that, you know, are outside shooting and, you know, want something exciting to do. And it's, yeah. you know, that's the way I look at it. And not everyone will agree, and I'm, and I'm fine with that, but that's my two cents, and, you know, that's why we do it. Yeah, look, good on you, Marty. Look, we really do enjoy your videos, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm not the only one, and I'm sure many of us out there have been uh, hunting and on private properties with firearms. Um, many of us have shot at cans, old appliances, things like that. I mean, we're, we've all done that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, what 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 would be the point if you couldn't have some bit of fun with your guns? But yeah, on the more, on a more serious note, Marty, and this is I'm just playing devil's advocate here, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, we're shooting the green sign, right? Okay. Yep. I've got I've got no issues with it. All right. But I think, do you think the controversial part of it is when the blood oozes, the so-called fake blood oozes out from the green <laughs> sign? Is the, see, some people say, uh, some people see that as, say, for example, inciting violence. Um, now I'm sure. Yeah, hang I'm, on, I'm, against who? Inciting violence against who? Oh what, well, the Greens? I, I guess the Greens, a political party, or individuals uh, in the mate, party. You're drawing, I reckon you're drawing a I'm long just boat. playing devil's advocate here, Jason. I'm saying some people are not. I'm, 
you know, not me. I'm all for freedom of speech, and I don't, I don't see it as inciting violence whatsoever. But do you think that when the when the blood, the so-called fake blood, starts oozing out from the green side, do you think that's gone a little bit too far? Nah, not at all. Okay. No, it's um, again, it's just a bit of a laugh or mucking around with um, that. It actually wasn't even really intended to be a video. That one, we were, we were mucking around with a way to make um, blood packs for the drop bears that we were shooting before we came out with the Taliban idea, and we were trying to find a way to make it look like when you shot a drop bear, its head exploded and gore and stuff went everywhere. Mm. And um, we were mucking around with one of those, and we just thought, oh, what would happen if we stuck it on the back of one of these signs and turned into a bleeding target kind of thing but um i'll just like to point out to people that you can actually go and buy from firearm retailers bleeding zombie targets that actually are um that actually do look like people they're not a logo they're they're an actual person-shaped object that bleed when you shoot them and some of those are dressed up like german soldiers and no one gets up and whinges that you know buying and shooting those targets is you know um, inciting violence against Germans. So, and they've been in the market now for quite a few years. Mm. So I, 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 I know think- the sorry, mate, I know the double S double A, especially here in New South Wales, which is actually Sydney branch is going to change it. We never used to use you know the humanoid targets and stuff like that. But what they are yep. bringing in is a few of these uh, zombie targets. You know, like um, yep. uh, a zombie person. Yeah, a zombie person. I think it's a, uh, zo- a zombie fox. There was a zombie fox. One of the guys just went to the states. Listen, J- uh, Justin's jaw just dropped. There. <laughs> why, why? Why? Come why? on, mate, Justin, just, you want to weigh in on this? Come on, you got to weigh in. Go the double S double A. Moving away from just the round pie targets, astonishing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I, don't, I don't see a difference great. between assuming. Like, am I wrong here? Hey, am I wrong totally? I mean, shooting the humanoid targets. I really don't have an issue with that whatsoever. No, no, no. no well, I mean, me. most of your military um, service um, rifle clubs up here allow the shooting of figure eleven targets. And for those of you that have not spent any time in the military, that is a semi-detailed um, silhouette of a human figure carrying a rifle. Um, and, you know, that those are at virtually every military rifle club throughout Queensland. I'm not sure about your states, but they're certainly allowed up here for use, um, you know, and they're left with the original uh, military, like, targeting score on there, like where you're, you're aiming sort of centre mass is where the bullseye is. Um, mm. no, no one kicks up a stink about those, so... All right, mate, plug, plug the uh, Shooting Stuff Australia before you go. Oh, cheers, cheers for the free plug. But, um, yeah, if you haven't seen our, our channel already, um, feel free to jump on YouTube. If you just punch in search in YouTube, Shooting Stuff Australia, you'll, um, you'll see mine and Aaron's antics all over the countryside in, in Queensland. Um, you know, we, we try to bring firearm reviews. We just try to make them a bit, you know, e- exciting and a bit more fun than just sort of stand there talking about the gun. We like to shoot a few different things and blow a few different things up and just try to make it entertaining for people and attractive to people who are looking at getting into firearm ownership. Uh, so, yeah, get on there and check it out and see what you think. If you don't like us, um, feel free to leave a comment. If you do like us, feel free to leave a comment. Um, we are working on the audio and um, the editing process. I think some of our new videos, if you compare it to the first video we ever did, we have sort of jumped up a bit in quality. So as we get better equipment and, um, you know, more time to throw into it, they, they, they will improve over time. All right, Marty, mate, thanks for coming on. Just quickly to uh, have a chat about it, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, I guess, you know, mate, I'll see you up there sometime, I guess, in the next four or five weeks. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. And I'd just like to thank you boys for your support through it all as well. It's been really helpful. Good on you, Marty. 
All right, guys, you just heard from Marty from Shooting Stuff Australia. Then this was a long podcast. I think we're up to about two hours now. Um, of course, yeah, again, r- find us on iTunes. You can uh, rate five stars. if that, you know, Of course, that's if you do like it. Rate us five stars, of course. Um, you can also leave a voicemail. We do have voicemails. Again, this is an election special. That's why we had Justin coming over. Hopefully, he can join us again sometime in the yep. future. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. We didn't even get through the news. We've got a lot of news. We've got the Greyhound racing stuff. We've decided to put that back just a little bit until the next show. Yep. Uh, we've got Mario's call into two year we talking with Clinton Maynard again. There's just as we said before, we could probably do a show literally, couldn't we? Every bloody week with the amount of uh, stuff going on with this election. But we'll do that in the next show. What have you got to add, Mario? Anything exciting? There? Well, the amount of news around the world and here in Australia is just incredible. I mean, I've just got this massive pile of papers in front of me, Jason, that we didn't even get through on this show because it was just it was an election special. There's so many things going on. And I do apologise to all the listeners if you're a little bit bored of some of that election stuff we were going through. But uh, I think it's very important to recognise that I guess the the, the state of play uh, in federal politics um, in terms of um, you know who can we rely on, what's going to happen, what can we expect, and one of the major things that I just wanted to mention, Jason. Jason and uh, everyone else, don't forget there is still a National Firearms Review going on, okay? So it will be happening this year. Um, so it's so important, and like I say in every, every show, it only takes 10 minutes to change the country. Uh, take some time. Uh, go and see your local MP, your, your federal MP. Go and write some uh, letters to Michael Keenan, Justice Minister, the Prime Minister. Let them know that you do not want any negative changes to the NFA for the law-abiding firearm owners. That's so important, guys. Uh, I can't uh, overestimate uh, how important that is because let me tell you, they will be reviewing things like the Adler. They'll be reviewing things like uh, magazine capacities, uh, stuff like that. Uh, God knows what's going to be in it. And uh, thankfully, we've, st- we've still got... Uh, David Lionholm in Parliament, um, and Bob Catter, who will be, uh, I guess, um, outspoken when it comes to fighting for our rights, but uh, maybe that might not be enough. So it's so important for everyone to contact their members and to make sure your voices are heard. It has been a massive election special. I couldn't agree more with you, Mario, about getting in touch with your local people. I just want to finish up with one little anecdote. I was in hospital recently, not myself. I was visiting, and in the waiting room, there's this pile of magazines that you leaf through, and one of them's called Soap Opera, and it's a magazine entirely dedicated to this rubbish daytime TV soap operas. But I'm flipping through, and there's these letters to the, you know, letters to the editor. And someone has written in saying how disappointed she is that, you know, Brooke married Billy when we all know that Tom's her soulmate. It's just (laughs) rubbish, okay? But let this sink in. Somewhere out there is a woman who is so interested in an irrelevant TV show that has no bearing on anyone else's life or their rights or their fun or their heritage, and she took the time to write in about an imaginary couple and how disappointed she is in what's going on in their lives. Anybody who is listening to this show and hasn't written in, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying there is some woman out there who's took the time to write in to this magazine on something that is utterly inconsequential. And right now in Australia, we have the fantastic opportunity of this weak government. We've got David Lionhelm. We've got Pauline Hanson. We've got Bob Catter. We've got the momentum on our side. Seize the momentum. Join us. Write in if you need help with anything. Get in touch with the show. Get in touch with us on Facebook. We can help you out. But it's numbers we need, and we've got them. We just need to get ourselves in order, and we can do that, and we can win. I guess, Justin, you know what? Sorry, Jason. It comes down to the 
uh, to to their biggest enemy of all, really, which is apathy. 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 Apathy is our biggest enemy. We must conquer it. So you know, and it just comes down to okay, when, when you get back home from that hunting trip or whatever it is, don't just clean your guns and put them away. Clean your guns, put them away, and write a letter to your local uh, member of parliament. You know, it only takes ten minutes. Uh, and this is what this is our biggest biggest thing we've got to combat. And it just shows with the election, Jason. You know, five hundred thousand people, five hundred thousand people did not vote pro gun. As their first preference in in you know in, in the Senate, so that's our all is and always will be our biggest enemy, Senator, and that's why we meet myself, Jason, and and Luke now are constantly telling you guys, listen, you've got to be active, you've got to get out, you've got to write letters, you've got to meet. By the way, people. his name's Justin. By the way, that's all right. Just don't oh, call me late for dinner, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Luke. He's got two first names. Yeah, don't worry sorry. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> what were your parents thinking? You don't even need sorry, to write Justin. a letter if you think your spelling's not good or you don't know what to say. Don't worry about it. There's templates online hit us up on on facebook there's plenty of information you can just copy paste sign it on the bottom but putting it in an envelope and, and writing your signature sends a clear message that you are serious and they need to take you seriously and it does help it all makes a difference yeah and two things just before we finish off okay leave a voicemail but we want to talk about quickly about the adler ban mm. it was extended by minister keenan uh not a good thing uh no, you know, what they we, reneged they reneged, they, on, they their reneged on their deal with david Lionel. not surprising but i know, I know justin said i gave them the benefit of the doubt, but all my faith is now gone in the government. The fact that this, you know, they wanted to get rid of the cost cross bench. Now they've got a worse cross bench they could possibly even imagine. I don't think anything's going to get done. We need some whether David's going to have any any play on this issue in the future. That leaves a lot to be desired. I think that seven shot is probably gone if this is their intention. Uh, not a good thing. So start writing to Minister Keen and very, very, very important. To finish off, I've got a story. Right, mm. Mars is going to freak. He's, he's nodding his head now, but Here he, we go. he didn't want to let this out. Okay, so we're in um, a, a state forest, okay? We drive up over this hill. Oh, uh, in, oh no, what's going on? You know where this is going? Just, I, don't, I don't know where this is going, yeah, but this I'm dreading, how, dreading this to find hilarious. out. Okay, so we go past this this high tree line. Now, this was a, still a hunting area, but yeah. it's just been harvested. So Muzz says to me, uh, let's start calling some foxes into the afternoon. I said, yeah, great idea. This oh, was a forest no. down south. Anyway, so there's, you know, it's very low. They haven't replanted anything. So we're sitting at the top of the hill, 20 I, or 30 metres. I know metres where this is the, going now. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 20 or 30 metres from the car. Anyway, so we're sitting on top of this hill. We can see right down. It goes down for about 40, 50 metres, probably another 300 metres until it hits the, you know, some fresh uh, pine or natural natural forest that actually was. So I'm on the whistle. Muzz can't use a whistle to save his life. So I'm like, bit, bit. <laughs> Muzz has got the, the Adler. So what better way to shoot some foxes? Anyway, so I start on the whistle, probably what, Muzz, three to four minutes. All of a sudden, this fox yeah, appears yeah, yeah. probably about 150 metres, 100, 100, 100 to 125 metres away. It's making up, yeah, it's, it's freshly cut pine. You can see, I can see like a dog running up at 125 metres. So yeah. I go, hey, Muzz, next to me, he's about, what, two metres away? Yeah. Muzz, right in front. <laughs> Yes, where? Where? And I'm thinking, is this guy, is there something wrong with this guy? How can you not see this dog moving up through freshly cut pine that is not even, you know, up to your shins? I mean, I can, how can you, it's been cut. How can you, and he goes, where? Where in front? I'm going, oh, my Justin's God. pissing himself laughing right? over there. This is just hilarious. And then I'm, go, I'm going, where? And I, I'm looking at Mario going, are you serious? It's right there. And he goes, where? I can't see it. <laughs> anyway, 
It's honestly, this is happening. Like freshly cut pine, a dog moving through the pine. Like you, you could see it a mile away. You could see anything in front of you moving. Anyway, so Muzz, and all of a sudden, Muzz, his look must have been looking 20 metres in front. Still don't know how you could not have seen it. Anyway, he finally gets his eyes on it as it's coming up the hill a little bit. There was a little tiny little bit of a crest, and I said, it's going to come over the top of this crest. Anyway, all of a sudden, I Which just Which was see, how far away? Oh, I'd say probably a good 80 metres, probably somewhere around no, there. No, I'd say more 100. Yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden, I just hear this, boom! <laughs> right? I'm going, what the hell? And then I'm thinking, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, it, it starts bolting away. It starts bolting away. All of a sudden, then I hear again, boom! <laughs> Boom! And I'm thinking, what is he? D-? And by this stage, I think Mars didn't realise. I was actually starting to get a little bit pissed off here. I'm thinking, what the? Anyway, so he stood up and he goes, oh, what? And I said, mate, you had a shotgun. It was 100 metres away. <laughs> like, and he, I said, did you end up seeing it? He goes, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Right? And I'm thinking, what on earth Look, are you? Uh, Jace, Listen, can, can, mate, I just can let me finish it off this, right? I'm thinking, and I said, mate, you got a shotgun, even with a full choke with BBs, yeah, I know. 50 metres. Yeah, max, 50 metres. Absolute max, yeah. best. Then when it was running across, say, into the 12 o'clock position, it was running hard right, so across to, say, the 3 o'clock position, mm. right? I'm like, it's about 150 metres away now, and you're still trying to have a go at it with a shotgun. Anyway, <laughs> I got part of this on YouTube. I said, mate, this is going to be great for YouTube. And he goes, oh, you're not going to put that up, are you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to put that up, are you? Oh, mate, it was magic. Look, t- to and be it, honest, Jason, And then he look. started really reinforcing uh, in a serious manner that I should not be putting this on YouTube. I thought no, this would be was, fantastic. it was very embarrassing. What were you thinking, shooting a fox at 100 metres? Can I explain? Can I explain myself? Hang, can I say one other thing? One other thing. We, we, this happened before one time. We had a fox in a state forest too over the mountains. You did this last time. It came in, it sat down, and we're in a, a fallen tree. We're standing in front of a log. Anyway, it comes in about probably 70 metres. And I hear him, boom, Muzz does the same thing again. He goes, oh, it saw us. And I go, mate, we're standing in some logs. It didn't see us. All Muzz had to do was wait until it came in. Now, we, given we did shoot some other foxes in another state for us, and Muzz did a fantastic job, and we did make a, a video about that. You can uh, see it on the Australian Hunting Podcast. Man. But I tell you what, that's the funniest thing I've seen. The fox just bolting hard right. <laughs> Mars is still unloading. He unloaded five shots at it at about 140 metres. I'm like, what are you doing? You've got no chance hitting it. You know, you know what, Jason? You know, we all, we've all had these moments. Why didn't you wait for it to come in? You, you know what? I, I ended up getting a little bit of fox fever, I'll be honest with you. Oh, this is the second because, time I'm thinking, mate, because, you know I'm what? taking I the spent, gun next time. I spent so much time looking for this fox that's supposed to be in front of my face. Oh my God, and Jason's, Jason's just pointing it out all the time. It's there. It's there. And I'm oh, thinking, I started. Where? Gets a bit shitty. <laughs> I'm looking everywhere, and then finally, when I saw it, I think, "Oh my god, I've got to shoot it!" But <laughs> you just wait, mate. Wait, I and know. Then if it, if it sits down, it, when it starts to move away, then you might have a go at it if you're within and, reach. And to be but... honest, right, with my Adler, and I love my Adler, right, with, with the Adler, I because it's a lever action. I for a moment there, I really thought I had my thirty thirty on me. <laughs> oh my god! So I thought, oh yeah, this thing's close I'm enough. He, I'm <laughs> thinking he thinks this bloody thing's a rifle. <laughs> I'm thinking this <laughs> thing's close did enough. I'm gonna nail it. Did you forget it was a shotgun? <laughs> kind of. Oh my like. god! This was the, the heat of like, the moment. I started to get a bit shitty. I'm going. This guy's a moron. This guy's a dead set moron. Uh, <laughs> and well, then he goes, "Oh no, you're not really going to put that." Like, yeah, I'm going to put it up. <laughs> so you can see this guy's an idiot. Well, look, you know, well, well, fox well, hunting think, bungled. Fox listen, bungle hunting one hundred and one. I, I think everyone listening to this show would almost. Immediately know of a similar situation mm. that they've been in. Everybody's done. Unfortunately, Everyone's this is the it. second time you're in this. He goes, oh, oh, come on, give it, give it a rest. Is, that first one, he's like, oh, it saw me. And I go, mate, it was sitting down. I just was unsure. I've hunted him enough to know that, that if it starts moving away, then think about it. But until it loses interest, but you know, it starts moving yeah, forward. Yeah, look, look. 
Anyway, yeah, usually on foxes, I'm pretty good, but I must admit I had a bit of a brain snap. <laughs> anyway, keep on uh, uh, keep on writing to us, uh, voicemails, emails, all that sort of good stuff, and uh, mate, any other things to finish off that you want to? It's been a pleasure. I can't wait for next time. Fantastic. All right, guys. Um, this has been a great show. So, guys, hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to have a lot more coming up in the next uh, shows as well, obviously, with all our stuff. Mario's calling about greyhound racing. Just didn't have time. Hopefully, you enjoyed this election special. Um, without further ado, my name is Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Bloodco. I'm Justin Luke. See you guys next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.